Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Thursday evening. If you got questions about this sectional weekend ahead, fire them at us. We got lots to talk about tonight and hope you will take advantage of the opportunity to join us here on the show. All the information to contact us scrolling at the bottom of your screen. We'll go through who we have on the show here momentarily and we'll talk about plenty more ahead <clears throat> on this program. Again, we are looking at uh, sectional games. We are to the Sweet 16 in men's and women's basketball. Eight teams in total will be left at the end of this weekend. Who will survive? Who won't survive? <laughs> it's all for debate. And we can certainly talk about that here in the near future. We got lots of good guests on the show. We're going to hopefully interact with you all to make sure that we keep it. Uh, this is actually our last Thursday show is what I should be getting to. Next Thursday, we will not be on the air as it'll be right before the championship games in Fort Wayne. Uh, we have traditionally, well, in the last few years, have gone away from our Thursday efforts. Certainly something we could revisit at some point, but we, we tend to, one, have a lot to do when we're in the championship weekend, and that is just an added thing to do on top of everything else we're doing. The other aspect is, uh, especially when it's video, it's even more work. But we also end up saying a lot of things we end up saying on the um, shows Friday and Saturday ahead of the semifinals, especially on Friday. So we've been backing off. But if uh, may revisit that this year after we see what the new site is like and whatnot. So heading to Fort Wayne on the men's side and heading to Salem on the women's side. We will actually hear from Fort Wayne later tonight. We hopefully will hear from Salem on Sunday, getting you ready for the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum, or Memorial Coliseum in short, in Fort Wayne. We'll hear from Nathan Dennison later in the program. Get you ready, get you understanding what's out there, how you can get a hold of tickets and whatnot. And we'll hopefully hear from those in Salem on the other side of the weekend as well. Um, lots to, again, lots to talk about as we look ahead to the tournament. The All-Star teams are also starting to take form. The men's All-Star game uh, or all-star vote came to a close for the last couple of spots uh, left in the tournament or in the in the game sorry I'm reading about tournaments and uh, congratulations uh, abounds obviously uh, pretty impressive for Rosenbaum and Cohen I think it's how you say Cohen Rosenbaum from Pomona Pitzer and um, Cohen from um Forgive me, my brain is just literally drawing a complete blank. Um, uh, the New England area. Come on, Cohen. I'll figure it out eventually. It's right here in front of me. I just can't seem to read it. There he is. Roger Williams, of course. So thank congratulations to Austin and Daniel. Just missing out was Michael Gardner at Johns Hopkins. He finished about 2,500 votes short of Austin. Um, but congratulations. Nobody else really came close. Duax, surprisingly, uh, Platteville didn't get many votes. Uh, Calvin Songster from Maryville got very few votes. Tyler Steglin from Nazareth uh, got, a, got a good push. Justin Sutton from Edgar Evers got a little bit of a push. I'm going to be disappointed. Ryan Bruns apparently won't be there. I, I think Bruns is a terrific player, but obviously Ohio Northern struggling hurt his chances. But congratulations on that. The women's vote is continuing through, I think, March 11th. If memory serves, uh, that is Sunday, is it not? Oh, it's Monday, Monday. So 
We will see if maybe Sunday we'll talk a little bit more about the women's. But the women have actually already announced their all-star team. It is subject to change. I think it's a novel idea. Here, Here's our team. We have backups and, and alternatives should any of these individuals still be playing in Salem. And so as a result, here's a team, and, and we'll let you know more later. Different structure on the women's side. I think you'll notice that. Different than the men. The men pick two out of each region. Uh, the women uh, don't necessarily. There's actually two from the University of St. Thomas. Um, Tommy's on the team. Granted, again, if they're not playing. So I, I'm fascinated by that. Uh, I'm certainly not knocking it. Each co coach's co group does it differently. The, the women, for example, have a 10-team first team for All-Americans. The men have an 8-team first team. We have a five-team first team. So there's lots of different ways to do it. Lots of ways to skin a cat, as they say. But congratulations to the women's All-Stars. We will hear from hear who the final list is on Monday, and, and the men's list will be finalized roughly about Monday as well. And we'll find out who's playing in their All-Star game. And then uh, Jostin's awards came to a, a voting came to a close today. We'll find out the winner tomorrow, I believe, on the Jostin's awards. So a lot of awards coming to a, to a close. All region teams, I believe, are announced, I, I believe, early next week. And obviously All-Americans will be announced before the championships on both the men's and women's side. So, yeah, lots to lots to do, uh, to kind of wrap your mind around, as it were, in uh, in this time of year. On the men's side, oh, let's talk about guests. Uh, we'll have John Tower from the number 13th ranked St. Thomas men's basketball team on the show. We'll then get Dave Hickson on. Uh, missed him on Sunday, and we're glad to get him on today. We'll get him on for the number 7th ranked Amherst men's team. As we mentioned, Nathan Dennison, VP for Sales for the Memorial Coliseum, will join us. Then we'll switch gears, talk women's basketball with Mark Moorefield, the number 12th ranked Mary Harden Baylor women's coach, and then Carla Berube from the fourth ranked Tufts women's basketball program will join us. That's all ahead here on Hoopsville. If you want to interact with us, you can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're live streaming the show or simulcasting the show is probably a better way of saying it. Uh, you can also email us dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com or you can join us on Twitter at d3hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville. Uh, keeping an eye out to see what's going on and uh, all that. Um, so one person, Timothy, says, and this was a little while earlier today, said, good job with the yearly rankings, guys. If I counted right, 14 of the 16 remaining men's teams were ranked at the end of the year. Yeah. You know, for as much parity as we had, I am a little surprised that we have so many top-ranked teams left um, on the men's side. I thought we'd have some more sleepers, as it were. That said, I, I, I don't know if I can just lean on the top teams will get to Fort Wayne. I think we're going to have some deep seeds make it through. Who knows who they will be, but we'll see. Uh, travel is always interesting on these weeks. Uh, there was a lot of talk, obviously, over the weekend about Whitman uh, being selected to go to uh, Hamilton in upstate Cl New York, Clinton, New York, to be sure. And we aren't going to rehash that, though I've heard more feedback on that, which is unfortunate. Um, certainly not the easiest thing, to be blunt. We get that. But at the same time, you know, you got to make the most of it. So Whitman did make the most of it. Here's the video of their trip. We'll talk over it because it's an all all music video, not music, but there's just no audio track. So we'll talk over it as well. And uh, their travels to Clinton, New York, located in, in upstate New York in the central part, started on Tuesday at 4.15. They had some media interviews at the gym. 
uh, both uh, radio, print, and television. Um, you're looking at Coach Bridgeland doing countless number. Uh, then they got on, uh, they had a practice at Gonzaga, believe it or not, on Wednesday morning. So they spent the night in Spokane, had a practice at Gonzaga University in Spokane uh, in the morning on Wednesday. That allowed them to then get to the airport for a flight out of Spokane in the af- early afternoon. And then they hop, skipped, and jumped across the country, stopping in Minneapolis in the evening. Um, clearly, you can see who they flew with. And then Wednesday night, arriving at Syracuse at 12 o'clock Eastern time. And then, of course, the trip's not over from Syracuse to Clinton's probably about two hours. They've got a 133 uh, slate there indicating when they pulled into the Hampton Inn in Clinton, New York, as you see the team there. So congratulations to them. And uh, they made it, as they say. And that's how it is. Now, interesting enough, Whitman, I think, has used charters in the past. I got wind that charters were not an option this time around due to costs. Um, But Whitman made it there safely. Uh, They will have a neutral site game. Um, in a real good doozy of a game, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm looking forward to that game um, at Hamilton. Of course, Hamilton, um, well, and I, I don't know what to make of it, to be honest with you. It, these Every team at this point has got a chance to win, plain and simple. And every chance has got every team's got a chance to lose, plain and simple. Um, we just can't be assuming anything. But again, Whitman will take on Williams. Um, Christopher Newport will take on Hamilton. The So Whitman at least gets a neutral site game, and I don't think there's any guarantees that, that Hamilton wins that either. So, you know, Whitman's in a good spot there, despite having to travel across the country. And I suspect, <laughs> just a gut feeling like they did uh, a couple years ago when they won things in Marietta, should they win, I suspect they'll stay on the East Coast and travel to Fort Wayne from there. So, anyway... That's their travel, and I know other teams had their travels. That's just the one we happen to spot online today. Again, if you got questions for us, interact with us. You can also interact with us on our pages, our YouTube and uh, Ustream page, our YouTube and Facebook pages, or on. Um, let's see here. We've got a uh, our uh, Periscope. Not yeah, Periscope page. And some people interact with us on Periscope, so you're welcome to do it there as well. And we yeah, we'll answer your questions best we can. In the meantime, in a moment here, we'll take a break and we'll talk to John Tower from St. John's. Not only did they knock off the undefeated, or not the undefeated, the defending national champs Nebraska Wesleyan squad, but they're playing pretty good basketball. Though, I really would love to talk to him about what happened to the Tommies uh, near the end of the season. Uh, Williams had a, a similar experience. Williams lost four of their last five before the NCAA tournament. St. Thomas, interestingly enough, lost three of their last four before the NCAA tournament. We'll talk to John Tower about that bump in the road, as it were, and how the team's playing now after getting past lacrosse easily, and then Wesleyan, North Nebraska Wesleyan, somewhat easily. That's all ahead here on Hoopsville on a jam-packed show. Hope you're enjoying it, and you'll stay in touch with us. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Back with St. Thomas men's basketball when we come back. Big shots, big dunks, 
This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum Arena in Fort Wayne. With his third triple. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and secure your seats today. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this Thursday, March the 7th, 2019, as we get ready for sectional round. Again, last Thursday show of the season. We will not be on the air uh, next Thursday. And our wrap-up show most likely will not take place on a Thursday either. Um, it's just the way it goes with us. Um, last Thursday show of the season, which is, seems appropriate because sometimes it's the first show of the year on Thursdays. All right, so talking men's basketball, um, the Tommies again knocked off Nebraska Wesleyan, uh, the defending national champs in the opening weekend in the second game, 70-58. to 58. Certainly a solid victory, but, you know, I, I, it's been a weird season. Uh, they lost that first game to Brooklyn. They went on a run. We talked to John Tower uh, back in late November, or this January, I should say, about how well the team was playing, and they continued to play well. Seemed like they were unstoppable, but then lost three of their last four games of the season. Got tripped up by Augsburg and St. John's, then beat St. Mary's in the conference tournament, but then lost to Augsburg in the semifinals. Of course, got back on that horse last week, and they're looking pretty good. What to make of the Tommies is the usual question we would have, and joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach. And John, welcome back to the program this year. Hey, thanks. Always uh, great to be on with you, Dave, particularly at this time of the year. Yeah, usually a good sign, right? Uh, or maybe, well, who knows? It could, it could mean a lot of things, but I appreciate you taking the time. Hey, listen, th that three of four at the end, I, if, I can't imagine there aren't any Tommy fans who are kind of 
looking that with a raised eyebrow going, what what just happened to our Tommies? They were trucking along there for a while, and then Augsburg and St. John's beat them, and St. John's beat you good, 94-75. And then Augsburg came back and got you in a very similar but flipped score from the last meeting. What, what happened in those four games that just seemed to derail you guys temporarily? We just wanted to give you something to ask me about, Dave. Last time I was on, you were asking what happened when we lost to Brooklyn. and then you, uh, No, the, to be quite honest, um, St. John's, I mean, we did not play our best, but St. John's and Augsburg are outstanding teams, and the Mayak is really tough, and I know every coach feels that way about their conference, but I, you know, those were both NCAA teams uh, last year, along with St. Olaf, and you know, I thought St. John's is a top five team all year. They're incredible, and Pat does an outstanding job. I mean, they're just they're really good, and and we beat them the first time, and the second time it's pretty close for 32 minutes, and and uh, they blew our do- doors off the last eight minutes. And and Augsburg, I you know, they're if you watch them play, I think Augsburg could play with just about anybody in the country. They have yeah. they have a kid who I think is a potential national player of the year in Booker Copeland. Get 46 in the Mayak finals, um, and they surround him with outstanding shooters and ball handlers. So I, I, you know, I wasn't thrilled. None of us were with the way we were playing, or mm-hmm. certainly the way we were defending. Um, but at the same time, some of that is the the ebbs and flows of a season. That you know, losing three games to Augsburg and St. John's, lots of other teams did that too. And so yeah. we didn't trivialize it. We tried to look at it in a balanced way, and we did say, look, if we don't defend better than we are our postseason run is going to be really short. We gave up for 20 games. I thought we were pretty good on defense. And my assistant coach, Mike Keating, runs our defense and does an outstanding job of it. And um, in the last four or five games, we were not as good. And we, we all talked about, look, at every one of us needs to be better on that end if, if we're going to go anywhere. Yeah, I'm sure you 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 told him his job was at the on the line. I get it. You know that sometimes uh, no, is motivation. Mike's job's never on the line. Trust <laughs> me, I, I'd be the one getting fired before Mike would. He's, no, I know. <laughs> Oh, I know. Totally tongue-in-cheek. Um, th- that said, you know, Williams also had a, a weird skid to the end of the season, losing four out of five. And I'll admit, going into that weekend of the tournament, I thought to myself, geez, you know, you, that's the last thing you want to do going into March. You don't want to have the taste of losing in any way, shape, or form. And, and I know you know the psychology of the game and, the, and student-athletes better than most, just from your, your you know, educational background and what you do besides coaching. How do you flip the script, as it were? How do you get the mentality out of their heads that they did lose three of their last four, but they can get right back into their winning ways? Well, there there is no magic bullet, or we'd all utilize it as <laughs> coach. I, I think I think being adaptable is one of it's one of the things we talk about within our program, and certainly we try to coach that way offensively, defensively, how we recruit, but also how we deal with teams through the ups and downs of the year and. You know, to give you an example, in 2016, we lost in the Mayak playoffs to St. Olaf and turned around and won the national title. Uh, in 2015, we won the Mayak playoffs and lost in the opening round, ranked third in the country to Northwestern or Roseville. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so there's two examples where I, I don't know. I, I don't think that winning your conference playoff is as correlated with postseason success as mm-hmm. some might. It's certainly correlated with getting there. That's the nice thing is you do punch your ticket. But either way, you know, sometimes if you're on a hot streak and you don't recalibrate going into the playoffs. Uh, all of a sudden, a team can have that moment where they say, whoa, we were on a roll, and now we realize if we lose this game, our mm. season's over. And so, really, we just, you know, we talked about, look, all 64 teams are 
are zero and zero, and we need to defend better than we have the last five games. But we're also in the tournament for a reason, and, and I've just I've loved coaching this group. They, you know, they were I think a little underrated. We were picked fourth in our conference, mm-hmm. and they have exceeded some expectations. And a lot of young guys and a lot of depth have. Uh, it's just it's really been a pleasure to coach them. You got a lot of different directions I can go with that. I, I want to talk about the youth in a minute. Uh, and and maybe the expectations of the team because of it. But let's start with this past weekend, and and you talk defense. It certainly seems like that was front and center. You you held lacrosse to 66 points, and you held a very potent offense in Nebraska Wesleyan to 58 points. Nobody has done that, uh, or at least gotten away with a win by doing that. What happened this weekend, and what was the magic, especially against the Prairie Wolves, to get past them in the second round? Uh, well, the short answer would be put, we put our hands in the air and hope they missed. Um, <laughs> there, you know, and and our kids played really tough on defense. Dale has, I think, one of the more incredible squads. I and mean, before we played him, I had people around the country say it's as good a Division three team as they've seen. And looking at their numbers and watching them, it would be hard to argue with that. And so we felt like, I mean, looking at the draw, it's always tough. You know, our region playing lacrosse, a second place team in the WIAC in the opening round is. One of the tougher, at least on paper, one of the tougher games around the country um, in that first round. And I just, I thought, you know, they're a t- very tough program. Kent runs a, a mm-hmm. uh, he just runs an excellent, he does an excellent job with his team. And I thought our kids played tough that round. And then in Nebraska, I, you know, we got up early, we got up 10 early, and then we didn't score for about 10 minutes. Um, literally didn't score a point for 10 minutes. I'm the guy that runs the offense. Mike runs the defense. So you can tell who was on the hot seat at that point. We went from up 37-30 to down 45-37. But I I thought our kids were, you know, in a, in a tough environment, they embraced that challenge. And, you know, if, I mean, defense, there's no rocket science to it. I mean, I'll be honest, they did miss some shots that I'm sure they normally make, but I also thought our kids competed and played really hard for 40 minutes. And so, yeah, I'd love to give you a great answer, but I think a lot of it was our kids just took great pride in playing together and playing tough. Right. 33-20 was a second-half score. I mean, so both sides were working. Defense holding that team to one point uh, a minute in the second half, and then your offense at least outscoring them by 13. Everything came together in that second half. At what point did you feel comfortable enough to realize, yeah, we're going to win this thing? Uh, probably with about 15 seconds left, maybe 30. <laughs> okay. I mean, seriously, we were we yeah. got up 15 or 17, but you know, and we score 85 a game for the year, right? Um, which is the most we've ever scored. Nebraska blows that out of the water. I think they're mm-hmm. at like 92 or something. And so, you now when you're up 15 or 17 on them, that feels more like six or seven points, and mm-hmm. you know they're going to make a run. Um, and they did. They cut it to nine and got the ball and. Um, you know, block charge call. We got a charge, and you know that kind of steadied uh, steadied the ship a little bit. But no, you don't. I mean, but you don't ever feel safe in those games until the buzzer sounds. And I, it, that's what we preach to our kids: play, play to the whistle, play to the final buzzer. And um, it just it was one of those special wins, though, because rarely do you get a chance to go on the road to the number one team in the country, who's also the defending national champs mm-hmm. and a program we have so much respect for. And just get a chance to play against them. And we didn't, you know, we didn't know what the outcome would be. I don't think many people in Vegas were probably picking us. But I don't know that <laughs> Vegas picks any of these three games. But, but I, I just, I thought our kids looked at that as an opportunity that they were going to make the most of. And 
and they certainly did. Um, you've got Guilford ahead of you. Not exactly a team you would have a ton of familiarity with, being that they're out of the ODAC, and you don't play a ton of ODAC schools normally. Uh, you're obviously playing this game in, in Oshkosh. How have you guys been preparing for Palumbo's squad? Yeah, well, he does a very good job. I mean, you can look historically what, what their teams have been like. Uh, statistically, you look at their numbers, and they are downright scary. I mean, rebounding-wise, they're one of the top teams in the country. Field goal percent defense, three-point percent defense. I mean, really, it, it it doesn't look like a fun team to prepare for because, you know, you talk about some teams being like going to the dentist. They look like it's going to the dentist because it's just <laughs> you, you, you're impressed with how they play, but they're uh, – you know, they're very tough. They get after you on both ends. They've got four guys averaging in double figures. So they just, they've got a really, really well-balanced squad that defends, rebounds, shares the ball. Um, so it's, you know, I, I don't know if that's the scouting report you're, you're looking for because it <laughs> makes it sound uh, like we're, we're big underdogs. But I just, I look at their team and it's a fun team to watch because you can tell they really understand their roles and they embrace them. You can tell that they're well-coached and they obviously play in a great conference. And, you know, there's a reason everybody's in the Sweet 16 at this point. It's hard to win games in March. Mm-hmm. It's hard to win games in the tournament. And, you know, so we're, you know, we're excited to play them, but we've watched a lot of film. But until you see somebody up close, you know, we've we've tried to prepare our guys for what it's going to be like to, to rebound and try and run offense against an outstanding team. You talked about, you know, maybe underappreciated this season, and, and I'm using those terms. Uh, and I think it has a lot to do with, not knowing what you had coming in. I mean, I don't know if anybody appreciated your freshman and Anders Nelson scoring 14 points a game while handing out four and a half assists a game and, and getting two steals a game while also being the team's leading rebounder at five and a half. And you got sophomores in, in Lindbergh and, and uh, Hedstrom who also contributed. It feels like you got some pieces to come together this year that maybe were a year ahead of it, and that's awesome, but... Tell me a little bit about this youth movement and, and the likes of Nelson and the rest. Well, I, you know, he Anders gets a lot of attention as he should. Uh, you know, he, frighteningly, he leads us in rebounding as about a five foot ten point guard, <laughs> yeah. and so that uh, I don't know that Guilford may be looking at that and thinking, "Boy, this is not going to be very challenging inside." But our, you know, our kids, I think, have bought into you know number one our senior leaders connor bear and gt johnson and michael hannon they were freshmen on the national championship mm-hmm. team they didn't play but they went through that and so they saw how hard it is to make a run in the playoffs and they saw you know some of the intangible and tangible things that you need to happen and and i think that's been big um but our freshmen and sophomores and, and probably as much as that our depth has been really valuable you know anders has has stepped in seamlessly a point guard but if you watch their nebraska game he sat on the bench, and Connor Bear was on the bench for about 10 minutes during that run in the second half. And we had four reserves in, and Riley Miller, another freshman point guard, was playing. And Connor and Anders were cheering like crazy for those guys. And it was just, you know, they were rolling, and we kept we kept going with them. And so I think, you know, not just kind of a youth movement, but a depth movement where we play 10 guys every game. And, um, you know, we don't really talk about starters. We just say, look, we're going to fly around and have some fun. And I think that more than anything, you know, coming into the year, coming off of last year, we didn't know exactly what we'd have, but, but I do think everybody who returned got a little bit better. And, and obviously we have some young guys who are playing an important role. Uh, can't let you go without talking about that youth a little bit <clears throat> and having a little fun with you. It seems like you have a, a bit of an out of the box recruiting style. 
Um, let's say you, you go to a, a perennial hockey and tennis power and you find Anders Nelson at that high school. You go to a football powerhouse and you pull out some guys like Connor Bain or Bear and, and Ryan Lindbergh. Uh, you go to all these powers in other sports than basketball, and you seem to find these basketball studs. I mean, that's at least from the absolutely trustworthy information that I have been gathered. Uh, you, you're having a little fun in the recruiting realm, are you not? Well, Gene McGivern, our SID, he's able to put together stories, whether they're embellished or not. Uh, Gene, if you read his Tuesday blog, it's one of the more entertaining pieces in Division Three sports. And uh, <laughs> You know, I, I think recruiting-wise, we have it, it's interesting that in 2016, our national title team, 18 of the 19 guys were were from Minnesota. And this year, a lot of our top guys are from Minnesota, but a lot of our young guys who aren't playing yet but have a chance to be great players are, you know, we got guys from Iowa, from Illinois, from Wisconsin. And so it's uh, our recruiting has changed over the last three or four years for a lot of different reasons. Um, and you know how complicated Division Three, mm-hmm. um, looking at the multitude of factors that there are, trying to pinpoint who are the right people and who fit your university. So, you know, we're we're willing to go just about anywhere within our budget, um, which, as you know, is those aren't always as sizable in Division Three. But we, I, I do think St. Thomas draws from an eclectic mix of, of schools where kids around the country and certainly the region look at it as a as a great place to play basketball and get a great education and get ready for your next steps in life. Uh, well, it's always a blast to chat with you. I know you got to get going. Um, I just uh, love chatting about the team and what you guys are doing. I just want to point out, though, that the bulletin board material from this interview did not come from me. It came from you, indicating that you guys are an overwhelming underdog against Guilford. <laughs> well, I, I go into every game. You know most coaches are paranoid. I go into every game thinking we're a huge underdog, and There's something to be said for that in life, right? There's lots of psychological theories on it that you could probably psychoanalyze me with, Dave. But more than anything, you got to get up every day and work hard. And the the moment you start thinking we're entitled to anything, um, that's the day I think our program won't be very good. And I would certainly walk away if I started acting or thinking that way. I think our guys compete every day. And and it's one of the reasons that I love working with them is they're, they're unselfish and they play tough defense and they cheer for one another whether they're in the game or not. And it, it's made for a really fun season and um, certainly enjoy to coach. Well, congratulations on the second weekend berth and the, and the win over the defending champs. Looking forward to seeing what you do against Guilford and, if lucky enough, what you do in that next round. And we'll look forward to talking to you somewhere down the road. As always, you give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to say to those who may be tuned in? Hey, thanks to all the St. Thomas fans uh, around the, the state, the region, and just – we have a small but very vocal group in, in Nebraska, and we're so appreciative of you know, them supporting the team and, and what you do for D3 Hoops, Dave. I say it all the time, but it, it gets undersaid still that um, it's a special time of year, but these student-athletes and, and even the ones who are not still competing, um, it's, it really embodies and epitomizes what I think we hope our young people in our world are, are doing to grow and develop and be our next leader. So. We uh, we appreciate everything you do, and it should be a fun weekend of basketball. Well, it will be a fun weekend. Thanks for the kind words. Good luck. Enjoy it, and we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks a lot, Dave. Take Absolutely. Care. John Tower joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoop. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop 
teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW-Eau Claire has been ranked a top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Director's Cup Top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student-athletes. UW-Eau Claire is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold? My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. joining us on the well not joining us, you are all joining us back on the show here on this thursday evening if you got questions for us you can always email us dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com join us on facebook at facebook.com slash we're live streaming the show on the simulcast of course uh robert has found us on youtube says go augie beat wheaton that's gonna be a dandy of a game in the cciw rematch between those two squads looking forward to seeing how that plays out of course, the NESCAC still has a, a few teams uh, in play. They've got Williams and Hamilton. I mentioned earlier how uh, Amherst would do and, at Hamilton. Obviously, Amherst is at home. I uh, misspoke there, but I've got my, all my uh, NESCAC teams all confused. So two teams with the potential of facing with a chance to go to Fort Wayne and one on its own. And no matter what, there will only be one NESCAC who could possibly make the championship game. Could it be Amherst? Playing really well at this point in the season. And I think for a lot of people, they came on a little bit as a surprise. Not that we don't expect Dave Hickson to put a good squad together, but they kind of were flying on the radar behind Williams and Hamilton much of the season. Kind of stormed in, took over. Uh, ended up winning the NESCAC automatic bid with a revenge win over Hamilton. What to make of the Mammoths, though? Can we? Can they win it all? Well, joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is our head coach, Dave Hickson, to give us all the answers. I am sure, Dave, you have figured these out yourself, correct? <laughs> I have. I have. <laughs> Good hey, to be here. You know, I'm, I'm glad we finally got you on here. At 25-4 and four on the season, you guys finished 7-3 in conference. When you start to look through things, I, I think, granted, the losses to you know Wesleyan and Colby in middle to late January maybe gave, you, gave everybody pause. 
But outside of that, there isn't a bad loss on the resume. You've got some strong wins. What is it about this team that was different than I think a lot of people anticipated? Well, it's interesting, I, I, and and I think that uh, I wasn't sure. I mean, I, the expression I used early on, I, I saw some things, and I told a bunch of different people. They said, "How are you going to be?" And I said, "You know, I think we might be pretty good. I don't know." And but whatever you do, don't sleep on us. And that was sort of my expression for most of the year: was don't sleep on us yet. You know, and uh, this is an interesting group of kids. They're young. Uh, we do have a, a senior, two senior centers mm-hmm. uh, that play off each other, but it's just it's a young group of kids. Um, but they're resilient. They're incredibly tough-minded down the stretch. I mean, I think in uh, the road games that we've won, uh, you know, that really stands out, whether it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Hamilton in the championship game, Williams at Williams, Williams at Hamilton, Eastern Connecticut, who I think is a very good team. Uh, we had some outstanding road wins. And, uh, you know, just really tough-minded kids. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get ahead a little bit, four or five points. Somebody will bring it back to even. We'll go back ahead. And, uh, we did the same thing with, a, I thought, a really good and senior-laden Rochester team uh, at their place uh, to get where we are now. And so just tough-minded kids uh, that find a way to win, and, and they sort of surprise me. They make me smile. You know, it's, uh, it's a terrific thing. Yeah, the wins at LaFrac are, are important, obviously, for, for good reason. Um, unfortunately, Colby's the one who tripped you at, up at home, but, and Babson got you as well. But it is those, those wins on the road. Uh, Hamilton, you, you point out, of course, you had lost to them at their place not that long before that win. Um, it feels like you guys know each other darn well. You're almost probably glad you, you aren't in their pod this weekend. <laughs> well, that's for sure. I mean, I think the same with Williams. I mean, we've played Williams three yeah. times now, and we've played Wesleyan three times. And, you know, that's one of the things that happens is that, you know, we've played four times before, and, and it's uh, – you hope it doesn't happen with teams that you end up playing four times. The beautiful thing about the NCAA is now we get to play teams that we haven't played, and I hope that continues on as long as it can, naturally. Um, but, hey, I, as long as I can keep playing, I'll play anybody. <laughs> sure. Uh, that's the key of this part. It doesn't matter who you're playing as long as you're still playing. Uh, right. Let's talk about the weekend. Rosemont, an easier game, and though they kind of gave you a game until about midway through the third quarter before you guys put your foot down. But that game against Rochester was a dandy. Of course, being played at their place because the women had their hosting rights at Amherst. Um, and that game against Luke Fl- Flukertz, I-, I think he knows you. Um, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe some assistant coach of yours in the past or something along those lines. But did did that is that a part of it at this point, that just because he's been a coach under you, he's going to be able to prepare his team as well? Or is it because of the players everybody has now in in that relationship isn't really part of the equation anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm not really sure what the answer to that is, but I'll tell you this, that, uh, you know, we've run a lot of similar stuff. I was, I was half joking when I said in the press conference after that, we run a lot of the same stuff, but he his team ran it better. And, uh, he's a terrific coach. Um, some of the stuff that he's doing now and that we do, uh, we sort of put together uh, during his time with me, and uh, it's just it's fun and it's. Uh, I always hate to coach against my old guys um, because somebody has to lose. Um, but he's he's such a wonderful guy and a good coach, and uh, you know naturally as much as we wanted to beat them, uh, you know they have they, I think they had six seniors. They started four seniors, and 
again, well-coached, great season, and uh, I hated to be the guy that put an end to it, but it was one of us, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, it had to come to an end at some point. Uh, of course, right. at their place, one of the one of the great places of basketball, along with Lefrac. Now you come home. Uh, now you get to enjoy Lefrac for your own good. But you've got Nichols ahead of you. This is a tough team with not just because Marcus Echeverria can score at will at times, but also because he can get his team to score at will at times. What do you see in the Bison? A team that you're not all that familiar with. I went and looked. You guys haven't played in about. Four, five seasons, meaning before Marcus came on board. This is a different program now. Right, big time. Yeah, no, I'll tell you what, they've, they've got two and maybe even a third because, uh, you know, the, the third guard, Venaglia, mm-hmm. is uh, he's a different sort of guard. He's an in-your-face, uh, quick kid who does really good things from, uh, you know, creates for everybody else, can shoot the three a little bit. But the two, the two guards, the two lead guards are just uh, – they're as good as there is in Division Three, and, and they're quick. They can both shoot. You know, I'm looking uh, at Echeverria, and, uh, you know, we're playing somebody that had 186 three-point attempts, and yeah. I thought, like, wow, that's a high volume. I look at him, he's 300 and, <laughs> 307. And, like, that's, like, beyond what I can even think about. 300 and, and shooting 38% doing it. Yeah. Uh, and the other kid's good, too. And so the, the quickness, you know, that's – we got to figure out what we can do. Uh, our defense, I'll tell you this, that our defense has been our key. I mean, we've, we've, we've done everything off our defense this year. It's not like we steal balls and go places. We just don't give people mm-hmm. good opportunities. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a real test for us because of their quickness and, and their ability to pull almost anywhere. Echeverria will pull almost anywhere. Mm. So I'm looking forward to it. And my guys are looking forward to it. We've, we've worked hard this week. And, uh, but you got to get out and guard really talented kids, and that's hard. Uh, talking to Bobby Hughes ahead of the game that he had at Rosemont with you guys, he talked about your team, and, and one, no one gets easy looks inside because your defensive pressure inside or presence, maybe is a better way of saying it, just doesn't allow for any easy looks. And also talked about he, do, he hasn't seen a team that does that well uh, efficiently on offense in a lot of places. Is that stuff you guys pride on? Is that stuff – I mean, I've seen you guys – I feel like I've seen different systems from you over the years. You don't tend to stick to the same thing all the time uh, because it depends on the on the talent. So is this something, this execution and defensive mentality on the inside, is that just what this program has become? Yeah, well, I tell you, so, you know, you have seen a lot of different things over the years, <laughs> and uh, and I like that. You know, I mean, that's one of the things I like about coaching the game is that you change a little bit. The game changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we did this year, you know, with we inherited some quickness over the past couple of years. We inherited a couple really good defensive players. Fuche, you know, is six five, six six, and can really defend. Uh, has defended the best players all year. Uh, Devin Allen is just super quick and uh, does a great job defending. Uh, Grant Robinson up front has got some quickness and can defend. But then when it all breaks down, we get Joe. Uh, you know, Joe in the back and, and big Joe, six ten, he's he's got seven four wingspan, uh, and he blocks a lot of shots and he changes a lot of shots more importantly. And you know, sometimes he's an adventure on offense. He's uh but I'll tell you what, defensively, uh they get a half a step on us. We know Joe's there, Joe Schneider and just mm-hmm. uh so uh and Eric Salou's no slouch either and and so and we bring in pretty good defenders off the bench with quickness. Garrett Day is a really quick, hard nosed defender and so We've got some good kids, um, 
and they really they wanted to play defense. You could see it, and so we've worked extra hard on defense this year. We've done a few different wrinkles, and uh, and it's worked. You know, Schneider and, and Bachman, your two centers, are obviously the seniors. I've got some bad news, though, for everybody because the top four scorers on this team all return. In a sophomore in Robinson, a sophomore in Che, a junior in Salou, and a sophomore in Day at 16, 11 and a half, 11 and 8 points a game, respectively. Um, 4.9, 4.8, 4 4.7, 8.1 rebounds for those first three. This is a team that's building. I mean, and to be honest, and maybe that's what everybody didn't expect out of this season, and a little bit of what we were talking with John Tower just beforehand was the youth stepping up and, and the underclassmen stepping up into positions here, Dave. This seems to be what is the key to this season, as you've talked about, but it's also a great key for the future seasons. Yeah, no, and, and I think that is true. I do think this, that, you know, as I look forward, you know, to the next year when people talk about the next year and, and thoughts like that, uh, you know, Joe, again, and, and CJ's good too. CJ's more of a positional defender, but Joe is is a shot changer inside like you know he might only average two blocks a game but i gotta tell you that he probably changes six or seven shots a game hmm. um i don't think there's anybody else in our league that can play you know the williams big kid and joe he, he struggles against joe and and joe is a big presence in there he doesn't he doesn't uh average maybe the rebounds that we all think he should he he, he doesn't score the points we wish he would but i'll tell you what he changes the game entirely and so i think when we lose Joe, I think that we've got to add something um, for that four to be as good as people are starting to say they might be. Earlier this year, back in January, you lost your mother, and our, our condolences to you. I know I said that to you off air at one point. Uh, Aaron Toomey was given the reins for the game against Williams. He came out with a win. Uh, two games later, you guys lost to Colby. I believe you were back on the bench. Was there a little bit of a worry? There could have been a coup, and uh, Toomey would take over the program? <laughs> <laughs> well, I started telling the story about, uh, you know, when uh, when what's I, I forget the guy's name now, but he, he took the day off with a migraine headache, yeah. and this guy named Lou Gehrig stepped in, and yeah. uh, he didn't step out again for like 2,400 games. So, yeah, we were <laughs> laughing about that. Um, obviously, Toomey uh, does. Did you uh, let Toomey know? I should say that he did not get the win. That still goes on your record, <laughs> I believe, is how that works. Well, actually, I was I was putting an asterisk on it already. <laughs> so you're not taking credit for the win over Williams uh, back then, but you'll take the win over Williams in the uh, conference uh, semifinals. I am quite sure. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you at this point, Dave? What do you look forward to the most, and how do you how are you able to keep Amherst at the top of the heap, as it were, even after, you know, seasons like the last two were only seventeen win seasons? How, do, how what are you enjoying about it still? In in who knows what year it is now for you coaching, and and how do you keep this program at such a, a at a, such a level? Yeah, and I don't really, you know, I'm not sure I can give you the answer to the second part other than you know we take a lot of pride in what we do we work hard every day we have a lot of fun doing it but uh in particular this group is just a great group of kids to coach I and mean, this is a type of team that you know i could coach for 10 more years it's just mm-hmm. the this is just such a great group of kids um you know they got humor um, they've got drive they've got they've got all the intangibles uh, you know and we think in the same lines. It's it's uh, sort of been an incredible journey for me this year. And I have to tell you something that when I did lose my mom, uh, this group 
was probably as mature uh, a young group as you could even imagine in the way that they handled helping me um, through that time. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I just, I don't don't have words really to thank them for what they did for me during that time. And, uh, but, but their maturity and all the way they did it was just off the charts. And, uh, and, you know, they had a chance to send my mom, um, uh, they understood that she missed a game because she wasn't feeling well and couldn't get it up on the computer and right toward the end of her life. And uh, she was still trying to watch every game. And, they uh, they did a video a thing and and said they loved her and and Mrs Hickson here's some highlights because we know you missed it and uh, we love you sort of thing and unbelievable things I mean these kids they're a special group and uh, love coaching them but you know how we stay on top I just think really it's you know we've we've got a program not just a team and and the program sort of continues on and our alums are a big part of it they reach out to the team they talk to the team. Um, and, and we work hard, but we enjoy working hard. So sure. we've, we've been fortunate, and we've been fortunate. Uh, not that you're looking too far ahead, but you got Swarthmore, Randolph, Macon, two behemoths sitting on the other side of that pod up there in Amherst. Can this team get to the championship weekend? How tough is this weekend going to be first? Yeah, well, I think this. I think this weekend, as I said to my guys two days ago, I said, guys, some of the toughest games that we've won and some of the toughest games we've played have been in this weekend, not the championship weekend, mm-hmm. but this weekend. And I think that's true. I mean, we, we went up to Brandeis, uh, up to Plattsburgh and beat a great Brandeis team up there and then knocked down drag out fight. And, uh, in an elite eight game, we, we upset Tufts here and they had us basically on the Olsen shot to move on. And so it's, th- this weekend is always, I think this weekend's the toughest of the weekends. And those two on the other side are very, very good teams. Uh, but I think the two on our side are good teams too. And I think that, you know, the ball's got to go in the basket. You've got to have some good fortune. Um, and, you know, I think anybody can – I honestly think anybody could come out of this pod. And, uh, but yeah, you'll come out – you'll come out uh, – you will have done your work. If you come out, you will have done some work. Yeah, that's true. You'll be battle-tested. Yeah. Uh, I looked it up just to confirm. You're in your 42nd year of coaching. I believe I was two when you took over. I'm not trying to date either of us, neither of us. I just wanted to feel young for a change. Um, I can't believe I didn't recruit you. I can't I know. believe I what? didn't recruit you. Especially out of a school that visited your campus. Anyway, <laughs> I kid. Uh, I appreciate your time. I, I could talk yep. to you forever. Hopefully we get to catch up with you uh, in Salem, though nothing against Nichols, Swarthmore, or F&M. Uh, what are we going to do, do in Salem? That's Salem. You're right. See, old habits. <laughs> Fort Wayne. Good call, sir. Good call. Maybe we're both hey. watching the women's program. <laughs> I miss Salem, though. I miss Salem, too, though. I, you yeah. know, those boys treated me so well down there. That I was fortunate enough to get down there a few times, but those guys became like family to me. And, yeah. Uh, so, but a new place, we all move on, right? Yep, good point. Uh, we'll look forward to it. Thanks for the time. As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share? Do those no, tuned Dave, in? I, just, I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, I knew we weren't, you know, sort of the name early on. I'm glad we've gotten to the point where you'd have me on. And <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I really do look forward. I hope I do get a chance to talk with you uh, out in uh, Indy. That would be an awesome, an awesome thing. Well, come out anyway. No, if you bring your team, that's even better, as they say. Even better. Awesome. Dave, take care of yourself. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Bye. Dave Hickson joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Of course, if you uh, would like to upgrade your web streaming capabilities, maybe your production capabilities, Blue Flame. (laughs) I'll get it right. 
Blue Frame is who you want to talk to. Uh, they've got uh, not only award-winning production software in their production truck software, but they also have great w- streaming also. Log on at blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. And tell them I sent you. We'll get the official readout to you a little bit later. Uh, again, they've got Nichols ahead of them, and then they're, it's either going to be Swarthmore or Randolph making some really good games on the other side for Amherst at 25-4, and four, but across the pod as well. Speaking of Fort Wayne, coming up next, we talk to the VP of Sales, Nathan Dennison, about what's coming up at Fort Wayne and why you may want to be there. Plenty of ticket information, attraction information, you name it, we've got it covered. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. More about Fort Wayne and then women's basketball on the other side of that when we come back. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. We are headed to a new home in Division Three men's basketball. So is women. They're heading to Salem, Virginia, and we hope on Sunday to be able to catch up with those at the city of Salem to talk about what is ahead on the women's side in a new venue, we may add, too. They're not going to the Civic Center. They're going to the Crenshaw Gymnasium on the campus of Roanoke College. We'll look forward to talking about that on f- Sunday. In the meantime, the men are headed to Fort Wayne. We've been waiting for this about two years now after the announcement was made. What to make of it all, as it were? 
What shall we see? I'm really interested in seeing how this all comes together, but we all need information. Even we need information. Not all of us have been able to visit as of yet. So earlier today, I got a chance to catch up with the head of sales for the Allen County Memorial Coliseum in Fort Wayne, um, Indiana. Nathan Dennison joined us to talk about what you can expect, what we can expect, and what they're expecting from the entire weekend. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's the VP of Sales for Memorial Coliseum, and is Nathan Dennison. Sir, thanks for taking the time to join us. You are welcome, Dave. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, you guys have been building towards this for, oh, geez, roughly, what, about uh, two years now, I want to say, off the top of my head? Is that about the right timing? Well, the last bid cycle uh, really started in 2016. Sure. So when we, uh, when we submitted the bids, um, we heard uh, what we were able to get in uh, the spring of 2017, and obviously we started planning then. Um, but our, um, you know, in earnest, we really started planning when we attended uh, the event in Salem last year, mm -hmm. and that was such a great opportunity uh, for uh, for three of us from here in Fort Wayne uh, to attend that event uh, and see what uh, a fantastic job Kerry and his team uh, has done for a long time. You guys tore that building apart. Uh, I had a direct comparison from a few months earlier of what Shenandoah's team had done uh, for the Stag Bowl, and the differences were night and day. I, every time I turned around, at least on Thursday during all the setup, but especially on other days during that event, you guys were in some other nook or cranny that I didn't even know existed in that building. Uh, you guys really kind of rolled up your sleeves to some degree. Well, we weren't going to go into this um, blind without as much background information as we could have. So that was um, really our goal in that trip is to, uh, you know, we attended the administrative meetings with the coaches and the SIDs. Um, we, you know, sat with the committee um, we just tried to soak in as much as we possibly could uh, that weekend uh, just to learn a little bit about the history so um, we would have a base of understanding to really put together uh, the event how it's supposed to be. I know you don't necessarily, obviously from what you guys did, you didn't necessarily come in with any assumptions, um, no. though everybody does have those whenever they do any kind of event. Um, but at the same token, and, and without getting too in the weeds, I am curious when you guys got back or what in the last year did you kind of change or add or think to yourself, you know what, let's go with something different based on what you learned. Well, we just wanted to put uh, a Fort Wayne spin on it. Sure. Um, you know, uh, it's a different community. So uh, we want to just kind of put our own uh, unique spin to it. Um, you know, the players are going to stay in two downtown hotels mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, are surrounded by, you know, restaurants and hopefully the fans and, uh, you know, people from their schools will come and, you know, and join them at, uh, you know, a very nice downtown experience. Mm -hmm. um, so we just really wanted to put our Fort Wayne spin on it. Um, not change too much, obviously, but Working with uh, Alex Mortalero at the NCAA uh, has been a great process. Um, you know, we've all learned together a little bit in this uh, in this new world of bringing this event to Fort Wayne. Uh, so it's been a really, really good uh, process so far. 
you guys have also updated this arena multiple times. I sure. certainly couldn't go into the history myself, but sure. most recently you guys put in some some new um, ribbon boards and other things. You guys have really, and, and obviously we should point out, this isn't just used for this event. It's obviously very busy. You guys have semi-professional or even professional teams in there. There's yeah. reasons to be updating these things, but were any of the updates in mind of trying to do this and other championships? Well, yeah, um, it really was all part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, the arena was built originally in 1952, mm-hmm. so it's it's been around a while, but <laughs> a major a major expansion and renovation uh, that happened in 2002 kind of really put the building at a whole new level. Uh, we do host a minor league hockey franchise. We host an NBA G League team, um, an affiliate of the Pacers. Yes. Um, we also host some games uh, from Purdue-Fort Wayne Division One men's basketball, um, along with concerts and uh, family shows and all sorts of things. So, uh, yeah, it's a busy building, uh, but the renovations uh, and upgrades in our technology that happened most recently last summer, um, it's a new high-definition uh, four-sided center-hung scoreboard mm. uh, with, with full video capabilities, our crew is going to do the in-house production um, of all four games next weekend uh, to be on the scoreboard. So um, it's a six-millimeter LED board. Uh, so the folks from uh, the venues there um, in D3 schools will understand what that means. Yeah, um, it's, it, it's a really good presentation. Ribbon boards with stats on them. Um, you know, I think I hope fans will really appreciate um, all the technology that goes into the arena. But yeah, it, it's a constant process of of updating and renovating and maintaining what we have, so that people want to come back to events. Sure. Uh, you, year after year after year. I assume you guys at this point are just sitting back and waiting for the teams, right? You're all done. You're ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the inside of my cubicle looks like a warehouse. <laughs> Um, we, we have several storage areas, uh, here in the building and I will say all of them are full with boxes <laughs> that have been coming in. I'm, I'm keeping our, um, our security department really busy logging all these shipments coming in, <laughs> but it's so much fun. Like, you know, opening up the chairs and the bench towels and all of that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a lot of work, but it's so much fun at the same time. And it really reminds me when I see uh, the winner's hats and, you know, the winner's T-shirt. Yeah. It reminds me what this event is all about. Yeah, It's, uh, about, create, it's about creating that championship experience for the athletes. Sure. Uh, obviously, we want to know, you know, fans are going to want to know what to expect when they come to Fort Wayne. Sure. Uh, what do you? Let's start with just the schedule of events. Obviously, things sure. that we can easily post elsewhere, but just give everybody a sense of what's going to be happening um, that that people are obviously going to want to know about. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously the teams come into town on Wednesday night, on Thursday morning. In addition to uh, the practice schedule, uh, our friends at Visit Fort Wayne have put together community service opportunities for nice. the players. So. The players are going to be going to some local elementary schools and reading uh, to the kids on uh, Thursday morning. Cool. Uh, of course, Thursday night we have uh, we'll have a welcome banquet that's going to be here at the venue, um, and we'll get them uh, back to their rooms in time <laughs> to get a good night's sleep uh, for Friday. 
and of course uh, practices Friday morning, and then the doors will open uh, to the arena at 5 p.m. Mm. Um, our ticket office is right in our lobby. Um, we're a multi-purpose venue. Right. We actually have have lots of other spaces, um, you know, attached as a part of the venue. But uh, if you come in the entrance that says arena. Uh, outside the doors, that's uh, it's pretty easy to tell. The ticket office is in the lobby. Doors will open at 5 p.m. First semifinal tips off at 6, and then of course the second semifinal uh, 30 minutes afterwards. So um, we're going to involve lots of Manchester University students uh, who will be doing some fun things during the timeouts and and the breaks and the games. Um, we're excited about that, and then of course on Saturday. Uh, the advancing teams uh, will have their closed practice. The arena doors will open at 3.30 p.m., mm. and then the NABC Reese's All-Star Game is going to tip off uh, a little bit, bit before 4.30. Um, so we're excited to have them. Pat and Charlie and the team at the NABC have been great to work with on planning this event. Um, and then, of course, the championship game at 7 p.m. Both days are ticketed as uh one session each day, just like it was in the past. So right. um, folks can buy a Friday only, they can buy a Saturday only, and they can buy an all session. So cool. um, we try to make it really easy. Our ticket office will be open uh, from 10 a.m. on on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Very easy to get in and out of um, here in our lobby. Uh, one thing I do want to make sure mm-hmm. uh, to tell the listeners, especially who are coming um, we, we do have a parking lot that charges a parking fee, and it's six dollars per car. Okay. Um, just, uh, so that's a good thing to keep in mind when you come. And um, the booths accept cash only, so that's ah. one thing I want to make sure people know that uh, it, it's a cash only operation. So six dollars for parking uh, for um, each session. So I might set up a stand to exchange people for money. I might charge a little extra. That might be able to cover some of my costs. Very good. I like it. So ten dollars through me, so you can go in for um, six. How's that work? I, I, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, like I've got any time to pull that off. Um, it's gonna be a little chillier than we're used to in Salem. Obviously, we don't know the weather a week in advance, but you guys know how to handle any weather that comes your way. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, uh, here in Indiana, we're used to just about anything yeah. that um, Mother Nature can send our way. Uh, our parking lot is five thousand parking spaces strong. I think we'll have uh, plenty of capacity. Uh, it's not going to be a problem. Very nice. Um, listen, there's obviously people come to town. There's lots to you know time to kill. To be blunt, uh, yeah. You know, doors open at five, as you mentioned on uh, on Friday. They're going to open a little earlier, obviously on on. Saturday before the All-Star game, but some people might still be killing time for the championship. There, there's time to kill, and, and hanging out yeah. in a hotel room is only so exciting. Uh, what else is there to do in the town? We aren't familiar with Fort Wayne as much. What is there for people to do or things they can do or ways to kill time? So I will tell you, Fort Wayne uh, has a great microbrewery scene. So um, with uh, <laughs> No, you're going to be busy, Dave. You're going to be Darn busy. Darn it! So. Um, <laughs> There are several uh, small microbreweries uh, around the downtown area, around town. There's a couple wineries north of Fort Wayne. All of that information is very easy to find at visitfortwayne.com. You can even find the hotel information when you're coming into town. You can find things to do. Uh, Visit Fort Wayne is the place to be when it comes to 
finding information. So visitfortwayne.com uh, is the place. But we have a great microbrewery scene, some local wineries. Uh, one thing that might be of interest to some folks is uh, our public library downtown hmm. has one of the largest collections of genealogy databases and information in the country. Hmm. So uh, they are great with customer service coming in and answering some questions. So if you're in town and you have some, some time to kill Saturday and you're interested in that kind of stuff, our downtown library uh, really is a great resource for family history information. So oh, interesting. that's that's something that's unique that uh, you don't find that, uh, everywhere, certainly. So Yeah, I'm going to have to tell the family the brewer that microbrewery stuff. I'm not going to be home on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to spend so, a few extra days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, visit fortwayne.com. You'll find all the information about hotels and restaurants and things to do and attractions. And if you're here with the kids, there are laser tag places in town. There are um, trampolines, uh, sky zones mm. uh, places. So there's lots of things to do for the family for sure. Well, it is, I mean, it's obviously different. Uh, we're all used to Salem, and then that's not a knock on you guys. It's been 23 years, for, and, and, and it's just become part of the fabric. But it feels like you guys have understood that fabric and not try to replicate it, certainly. you got to put your own twist on it, and, and that is certainly understandable. But it, it, what should we just understand coming in? that obviously we throw Salem out the door. We, we don't want to have the, you guys graded against them. But what should we understand about what you guys are trying to do to best appreciate these championships? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, we've done um, you know a lot of work behind the scenes to try to create uh, a really exciting fan atmosphere. So uh, as, as, guests, uh, as guests come into the arena – they may uh, be given a rally towel or they may be given some other stuff uh, uh, to kind of uh, boost that fan engagement, that fan experience stuff. Um, as they leave, as they leave the venue each day, uh, they uh, might be handed another gift uh, from one of the NCAA's corporate partners. So I won't uh, give mm. out too much information about that, but that's really what we try to do. We're going to try to make it a very, very fan-friendly atmosphere. Um, you know, like I said, we're excited about using uh, and working with Manchester University's sport management students to do some fun in-game promotion, cool. contesting, things like that. So, um, it, you know, it's a memorable experience not only for the players and the coaches who participate, but we want it to be very memorable for the fans, not only who are coming into Fort Wayne for this, but also – for the basketball fans who are in Fort Wayne and have seen our pre-promotion of the event and they've bought tickets and they want to come. And so we want to try to make them feel like this is a, a really big deal. So they want to come uh, back the next three years for sure. Wonderful. Um, I guess I'll be leaving the arena a little early just to see if I can snag a little gift. That, that'd be fun. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, anything for a story. Um, sure. Appreciate the time. Uh, I, I know you guys have been working hard on this, and there's a lot we could certainly talk about. But at the same time, I want everybody to appreciate this somewhat new as well. And yeah. so we're looking forward to being there. Obviously, everything kicks off next week, and I know you guys are busy, so I appreciate the time you took to, to yeah. join us. One quick question before I let you go. You were talking about fan sure. experience. We're used to, to fans sitting with their own fans, per se. Sure. Is that still kind of the same thing, or is it a kind of a pick-your-place type thing? So uh, 
what's different this year is uh, that we opted to do uh, reserved seating options. Okay. And so what we have done on one side of the court, on the side of the court that's behind the benches, mm-hmm. basically we have reserved uh, the first um, eight rows uh, in a couple different sections right behind the benches that we're going to offer to the participating institutions to buy. Um, oh, great. Uh, on Monday. So we're going to fill up those first eight rows. And then past that, above that area, we've sold um, uh, those tickets as reserved uh, to local fans. We're also going to have on the opposite side of the court behind the media bench or or the media table. uh, (laughs) Bench, I like that. Go. (laughs) It's going to be open. um, It's going to be open seating. So it's kind of like one half. Uh, one side of the arena will be reserved and the other side will be general admission. So we hope it's kind of the best of both worlds. But what we found is that local fans that just wanted to buy tickets to come to the event to see championship basketball, they wanted to be able to pick their seat ahead mm-hmm. of time. And that was a great, great suggestion brought to us by uh, some local media. And then Visit Fort Wayne really brought that to us. And so we kind of managed the reserved seating. Uh, so that we're going to have more reserved options available to purchase uh, starting Monday for fans of uh, the four participating schools. Uh, But we also have the general admission options as well if somebody just wanted to come Friday or just wanted to come Saturday. Cool. Uh, So uh, hopefully it's the best of both worlds for everybody. Yeah, looking forward to seeing how it works out. And and ticket sales, how they've been going, and where can people find tickets? Good. Uh, A pre-sale ticket started uh, several months ago, and things are looking good so far. Uh, Go to muspartans.com slash NCAA. Okay. Uh, That's the Manchester University website, muspartans.com slash NCAA. And there are links to all the resources you need, the directions and the parking information and tickets and hotels and things to do. So uh, muspartans.com slash NPAA is uh, where you can launch off and get everything you need. Wonderful. Uh, Nathan, again, appreciate the time you took. We always give the guests the final word on this show. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those tuned in? So as we've gone through this process over the last few years, we've learned so much. um, And it seems like it has taken a long time to get here. But now it will be here and gone before Mm -hmm. we know it. So we just invite anybody who uh, is a D3 Hoops uh, fan uh, to try to make it to Fort Wayne. Uh, Obviously, it's going to be a new experience for a lot of people. uh, But uh, our aim is to put on a great show. Uh, The players and the coaches will do their part like they always do uh, to put it all on the line. Uh, But here in Fort Wayne, we're just trying to put on a great show for everybody and uh, hope to see everybody next week. Well said. I appreciate, as I said, the time. Looking forward to seeing you next week and looking forward to seeing Fort Wayne. And we'll look, uh, well, geez, we're looking forward to some great games too. Uh, Take care of yourself and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you, Dave. Absolutely. He's Nathan Dennison. He's the VP of Sales at Memorial Coliseum there in Fort Wayne. Again, websites, visitfortwayne.com for information on the city, hotels, restaurants, et cetera. And then muspartans.com slash NCAA, that's M as in McHugh, uh, but more importantly, uh, uh, muspartans.com slash NCAA. When we come back, we'll switch gears, start talking about the women's uh, weekend ahead. we got a couple of coaches ahead to talk about that, including from Mary Harden-Baylor and Tufts. 
You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. UW-Eau Claire and Mayo Clinic Health System are creating amazing opportunities for students from across the Midwest. Our collaborative research agreement allows students to work with world-renowned physicians and scientists. And with more than 80 majors, UW-Eau Claire is the perfect fit for those who dream big and are ready to change the world. Big shots. Big dunks. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum Arena in Fort Wayne. With his third triple. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and secure your seats today. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening. Uh, reminder from uh, our friend Andrew in the chat room, we should probably tell you about our programming for the next few days. Um, we'll be on the air Sunday. I'm not going anywhere this weekend. First time I haven't traveled for sectionals in a while. First time I haven't traveled for any of the NCAA tournament until the Final Four. And I don't know how long. Work back here to pay the bills, more important, and been tied up with some things. Um but it will be on the air Sunday at 7. We'll recap and see who's going to the Final Fours. It tends to be a little bit more slanted towards the women because we won't have a chance to talk about them later in the week, whereas we'll be at the Men's Championship weekend. So forgive us if we don't focus heavily on the men. The women will get a lot of our love on Sunday. Um, 7 o'clock Eastern. Next Thursday show doesn't exist. This is the last Thursday show of the season. Um we will be on the air ahead of the championship game or the semifinals on Friday. Both semifinals, we've tended not to do a post game because by the time things are, it's going, we've got enough on our hands. So we probably won't do a post game, but then we'll do a pregame between the all-star game and championship game. And then we'll do a post game for the championship. And then we will do a final show last year. I think it was last year. Yeah, I think it was last year. We weren't able to do a final show. Our computer finally uh, went on the fritz with us. Um, but we hope to do a final show. We will. It's to be determined. I'm traveling all day Sunday, so it won't happen on Sunday. And I'm not sure. I I, I might be able to do it Monday. If I can't do it Monday, it's going to have to be later in the week. Maybe we 
resurrect a, a late Thursday show, but at that point it might be a little late. But anyway, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook. We'll keep you up to date on what's going on. On the women's sides of, of things, uh, the Crusaders exacted some revenge last week. One, they got past Rhodes, but then two, they got past Texas-Dallas, beating them in the second meeting in a week, um, losing to them in the conference championship, and then we, beating them when it really mattered. They now go on to Thomas Moore. They're already there in Kentucky, and they will take on a serious foe in Wash U. How are the Crusaders doing it, and can they maybe get to Salem on the win- women's side? Mark... Uh, Moorefield rejoins us once again on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline this season. And, and Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us there in Kentucky. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Um, listen, we talked to you earlier this season. You guys clearly looked like the, the dominant team. To be blunt, you guys went all the way through January essentially with no losses. I, I don't really fault you for losing to Thomas Moore. <laughs> Everybody has. Um, oh, yeah. And I would say that game was close. It was 18 points. <laughs> relatively speaking um granted it was a closer game against Harden Simmons but at, at that point I think I, I think uh I, I'm sorry for let me phrase that for Thomas Moore they had an interesting game with that weekend is what I'm trying to get at they played Texas yes. Dallas oh, yeah. before you guys in a battle and then they kind of took out some some anger with you guys Oh, yeah. But yeah. what's more interesting is what happened since. You lost to Harden-Simmons on the second, 61-59, and, and that was on the road. And I feel like that one kind of maybe jolted you guys just a wee bit. Um, and then you lost Texas-Dallas, and we'll get to that in a minute. But that Harden-Simmons game kind of stands out because that's the one to try and wrap your mind around and understand the Crusaders. Did that one jump you guys? Did that surprise you, that that game? Yeah, and I think what surprised us was just the way we came out and how just our inability to make shots. And, mm. you know, I, I feel like we're we're a pretty solid offensive team. Um, we're shooting around 43% and on the year and so forth. And I think that's the one thing that just really jolted us. And, you know, it was the fifth game on the road, mm-hmm. um, you know, going from Alpine, Texas to Brownwood and <laughs> basically every, everywhere in West Texas. Mark, you're you saying that's a of. long trip? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, and, and, and we've been in five straight, you know, and that was our fifth one. But I think more importantly, again, I think that's what jolted us to understand that we got to come out and we got to make sure that we're playing in an ability game in and game out that represents us and our program. And, you know, I thought we learned it after Thomas Moore. You know, we kind of came out starstruck in the first quarter, but then actually played well for the next three quarters um, against Thomas Moore. And, you know, I think we needed to kind of be jolted again and relearn our lesson from Harden Simmons um, that, you know, hey, you got to bring it because we're learning how to play with a target on our back. And that was, I think, one of the things of where you say, okay, here's a team on paper we're better than, but, you know, on, on, on the floor. But people are going to raise their level to play at a different level against you than, you know, you look around other teams that they may play against in conference. And so it jolted us and kind of refocused us. Yeah, interesting uh, when you talk about that because, again, that loss kind of jumps out at everybody, um, the the Harden-Simmons loss. But then you did have the loss to Texas-Dallas in the conference yep. tournament. and. And, you know, there's some who said, well, geez, you guys should have hosted the opening weekend. And I think a lot of people looked at that loss and said, well, that's why Texas Dallas has it. Do you feel like yeah. that cost you guys that opportunity and almost that fed you guys maybe a little bit last weekend? Oh, no question. I think you look at that. I think you look at Rhodes going through and, and winning their conference tournament, too, and, you know, falling within the 500-mile radius and everything like that and the logistics of everything. But I, I think that, you know, that you, you can you can definitely pinpoint that game and say, hey, 
that's the issue right there. We if we would have won that game, then we don't have any issues. Mm-hmm. But since we lost, you know, then obviously they're the ASC conference tournament champion, and they're gonna they're gonna have the right to host. And so, you know, that that was some things that are on the line, you know. And I think we kind of probably had a little tougher. You got a tougher route to the championship game, you know, after just a, a high energy game against East Texas Baptist on Friday night, and a team that's won twenty plus this year and has been ranked and you know nothing to take away anything from utd but you go mcmurray harden simmons in a championship game and you know we went louisiana college utbu utd so our our path was a little bit tougher mm-hmm. um to get there and, and i think you know just emotionally drained as well too but you know we didn't do our job either we gave up 18 offensive rebounds and yeah. um you know that that's something that we had to be better and I, I think it showed a week later when we played them um in the ncaa tournament uh, that was an interesting game. Uh, I felt like you were in more control than maybe the score indicated. I don't know if that's a fair way of saying. 66-57, you felt like maybe um, Polly Thomason could get her team back at the end, but I felt like you guys almost were just kind of, I don't want to say toying with them, but you just kind of had them at arm's length and you were good at just keeping them there. Is that a fair way of saying it or, or misread? Oh, looks like we lost Mark. <laughs> That's unfortunate. We'll see if we can. Maybe he didn't like the question, or maybe Polly was listening and uh, heard the question and didn't want us to, to talk about it anymore. See if we can get him back here. Forgive us. I think he didn't realize we've been disconnected. We'll see if we can get Mark back here in a moment. Again, if you got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Dave.McHugh at D3Sports.com or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Mark has called in, and we will uh, get him back Hello? on the line, sir. Hello. Oh, sorry about that. That's all right. It happens. We understand. I, I thought oh, yeah. maybe it was my question, that maybe either you didn't want to answer oh, yeah. it no, or no, Polly no, no, didn't want you to answer it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not that. Definitely not that at yeah. all. So, yeah, did you um, – so just to recap, that game against the, the, the second-round game against Texas Dallas, it, I know it was somewhat close, but it didn't f- – there were times I just kind of looked at the game going, geez, it – they're in control. I don't feel yeah. like that the Texas Dallas is as close as it seems. No, and if you look at it too, I think you know we held them to five percent in the first quarter. They were nineteen percent or sixteen percent for the game. I think if you look at the free throw discrepancy, they shot thirty-four, we shot seventeen, and I think that's what really kept them in the game. Yeah, was um, obviously killing the clock, and then by killing sure. the clock, you know, and getting to the free throw line, that's what brought them back um, and kept them in the game. And, you know, Victoria Pena hit some big shots as well, too, um, and so forth. But, you know, it really was the free throw count that really just kept them in the game. And, you know, we just as in the game of basketball, you're going to have runs and you're going to give up runs. But I really thought, you know, if you look at it, we did our job from the field just like we did a week prior. Um, we held them to 30%. Yeah. But the free throw discrepancy was the, probably the biggest thing when, you know, they shoot 32, 34, we shoot 17. Well, you know, as you know, anytime you're stopping the clock and getting points, that's a big benefit to, to your team. Yeah, fair point. Um, quickly about the team, we'll move on to the weekend. Um, obviously, we talked to you guys earlier in the season. We know who the leaders are, but it's still, you know, you still have three players in double figures in Holt at 15, almost 16 points a game, 13 points for Rollins, 11 points for Blackwell. That certainly doesn't take away from what Elliott's doing. I know McCoy kind of runs the offense to, to a larger degree. I mean, 133 assists so far on the season. This team's got a lot of different options when it comes to offense. But as Dallas showed us, too, you're, you're, all, you're all good about ratcheting up the defense, too. Oh, yeah, and I think that's the thing, too. You know, you look again, and Polly does a great job. 
job. I mean, they, they run their stuff to a T. And, and it's hard to defend a guard like Victoria Pena. But, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is, is to hold a team of that caliber to 30% and then come back later and hold them to 19%, you know, a week later, too. And that's the one thing, too, is if you look out, if you look in that first half again, you go back to 5%. I don't know if in my years of coaching I've ever experienced a quarter or any type of sequence in a game where you held the opponent to 5% from the mm-hmm. field. And I think that's just one thing that is, well, we want to play defense and we want to get down. Our, our, our team is a pretty solid defensive team, and I think sometimes that's what you look at. You look at the fact of, you know, I think we're averaging around 73, 73 points a game, and like you said, you got Kendall Rollins, you got Alicia Blackwell, and you know, obviously Hannah Holt, and then um, Aubrey Elliott, you know, is a great six man coming off the bench. And but I think we kind of sometimes get overlooked by what we can do defensively, and we're holding opponents, I think, to around 34, maybe 33 percent from the field as well, too. So, which is obviously pretty good. And so, again, I think it's just kind of more of just anything in, in athletics. You look for more offense than anything else, and. You know, not many people want to talk about your defense um, and so forth. And so, you know, when we want to ratchet up and we want to get after it, um, you know, I feel like we, we do a pretty good job. Um, I think the biggest thing, too, is our, our, our team is great at responding after a loss. You know, you look at the UTD loss mm-hmm. and the things that hurt us, you know, we went back and we looked and we talked about it. And I think that their ability to just really soak it in and, and be able to, to understand that and make that adjustment quick is what also helps us from a defensive standpoint. Ahead of you, you got Wash U. Of course, you're at Thomas More for these games, and both you and Wash U have had to travel in. Um, what have you seen in the Bears, especially in their win over George Fox, that, that you think you are prepared for, and, and what maybe do you guys need to adjust to? Well, I think the biggest thing is, is you know, going to the George Fox game, George Fox um, gave up about 24 points off the press and so forth, and so I know one thing, we're not going to press them. <laughs> and stuff. Um, that, that's one thing we're not going to do. But um, I do know that, you know, number 42, um, obviously their center is a, is a tremendous center. She's a preseason All-American. Um, she can face up and attack you off the dribble. She's got the ability to go, you know, and, and go left, right. She's got a nice little, you know, spin, take your middle, spin back baseline. She can stretch the defense. She loves to hang at the elbow area. So I know from a post-defensive standpoint, we really got to do our job and make sure that, you know, our, our, our three-headed monster at the post, so to speak, is really on top of what they need to execute and making sure that we're executing the defensive plan. But, you know, that's everything that, you know, everything goes through her, um, through Wash U, and I think that's the one thing is, is if we can do our job there and then force others to make plays and, and kind of be that be that standout player, then it maybe puts them in a different type of element than what they're used to. Um, they got, you know, obviously a tremendous shooter, Two tremendous shooters, number 11 and number 12, that are just, you know, number 11 just needs a very small window to be able to get her shot off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got to really make sure that we can't help off too much. And number 12 is great. She's a great rhythm shooter. And, and again, we, we really can't help off those two. And we got to make sure that we know our personnel and be able to adjust yeah. and, and not get sunk so low defensively. And then obviously, number five, their point guard, um, you know, does a tremendous job of getting the ball ahead in transition and we got to make sure that we level her off and find her in transition and not just let her just pick us apart um and so forth so we're going to have our hands full obviously they start five seniors too so that's even more impressive um you know that they have five seniors and you know we're going to have to really really make sure that you know we're doing our job defensively but more importantly it's going to come down to knowing personnel understanding Mm -hmm. that in transition we get back locate shooters and 
post-wise defensively that we're, we're executing what our game plan is going to be in the post and just try to make it hard. Mm-hmm. Number 42 and contest your shots. Yeah. Um, do you dare look across the other side of the pod at all? I mean, obviously one of the teams you're darn familiar with and Thomas Moore, and then there's Transylvania. Do you dare take the time to look at this point? Um, can you afford to look past? And I'm not saying look past WashU, but you have such little time to turn around for that next game. I think it's one of the things from a coaching standpoint as you're preparing for this tournament and you're preparing for this, you got to you got to do your job and you got to cover all three teams and you got to have a feel. You know, and obviously it's a benefit in helping us to play Thomas more earlier this year, so you have a general feel and some things that you can go back and things that you know, hey, we got to be better at. But you also have the fact that you know you got to look at Transylvania and you got to be prepared. So I think I think from a coaching standpoint, we got to to be fair to our team is you got to kind of be ready to cover. You gotta be ready for WashU, but on the same token, you gotta have a general feel for Transylvania, and you gotta have a general feel for Thomas Moore because you're right. That turnaround is gonna be so quick that you got to be able to get there, switch, flip that switch, and prepare for Saturday. Uh, I know it's you don't want to look too far ahead at, at the possibility of going to Salem, but I'm curious if you should get past this weekend and you're heading to Salem for the Final Four. How quickly will you be down the hall to Pete? Uh, Pete Friedenberg's office or Kent DeWeese's office to talk to them about what it's like to be in Salem. Well, and that's the great thing about it is obviously I, I work with two tremendous coaches and Coach Friedenberg and Coach DeWeese that have been there and have experienced it. And actually, we've already had Coach Friedenberg come and talk before the NCAA tournament. Oh, cool! To our team, and so just about how to play with you know during this time and how to manage through the NCAA tournament and so forth. And so that's the great thing about it is is that you have. You have coaches who have been through it that you can pick their brain and find out, you know, what, how did you kind of navigate the waters and everything like that. And so they're, they're tremendous resources that, you know, we definitely want to utilize and that we make sure that we can, you know, gain some knowledge from and help our program if we get to that point. Yeah, and obviously I don't want to look too far down the road. By the way, I think I said Friedenberg. I meant Fredenberg. Apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, don't know where that came from. Uh, we certainly yeah. know the crew football program just as well here on Hoopsville as, as anything as we follow football very closely and help the guys at D3 football. Um, again, not looking too far ahead, but one thing I find interesting, you lose two seniors from this team. Um, obviously, Elliot, we mentioned, there's there's the other, it not doesn't jump out on the stat sheet, but what jumps out at me is, this team's getting gaining valuable experience in this tournament, and that all comes back next year. Oh well, yeah, and I think any of the, any of this is obviously going to be a huge help when you return all your whole starting five, and you know even with some of the freshmen that are getting minutes, they're going to be able to step up into a higher role next year. And then more importantly, too, what you're looking at is not only that, but you're also looking at the fact that. You know, there's a couple girls that are sitting out this year due to injuries that, you know, Mm -hmm. could have really been an impact for us this year that, you know, they'll be back next year. But, again, you have your whole starting five and you basically have your whole rotation. Obviously, you're losing your sixth man in Aubrey Elliott. But, again, you're also getting freshmen that are getting valuable experience that will be able to step into that. And so that excites you about the future. Now, the thing is you just got to keep them focused and realize that, you know, win, lose, or draw, or whatever happens in this, in you know, in this tournament, that we got to come back and we got to make sure that you know that they stay focused and that they're committed to getting better and take it to that next level. Absolutely. Well, coach, I appreciate the time to chat with us, um, and looking forward to seeing how the crew do this weekend. It is all difficult games at this point, so certainly you can expect a, a good weekend there in Thomas More. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? 
having us on. Um, thank you very much for having us on and, and being able to share just a little bit about our program and the NCAA tournament. You guys do a tremendous job, and um, you guys are really bringing in a sense of excitement and knowledge to D3 basketball, and I think that's a crucial thing because I think it's obviously it's a very tough and competitive uh, level that, you know, day in and day out, you got to come be prepared to play. Agreed. Well said. Thank you for the kind words. Good luck. Uh, safe travels at least home, no matter when you head back. But uh, enjoy the weekend, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Mark Morefield joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. All interviews on the Hoopsville Hotline, courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology, their industry-leading production truck software. Is your college ready to showcase its teams through a reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget? Blue Frame's advanced digital broadcast tools will help take your broadcast to the next level. Learn more today by visiting blueframetech.com. That's www.blueframetech.com. And tell them I sent you. Uh, if you're looking to go with either production truck software, web, uh, web streaming um, partner with them, or all of the all of that, tell them I sent you. Tell them you heard about it on Hoopsville. Uh, again, that game against Wash U and Mary Hunt Baylor coming up at 5 o'clock Eastern, that game at Thomas Moore. Uh, take a break. When we come back, Carla Baruby from Tufts Women's Basketball joins us. They have a game against Messiah that they almost weren't going to be playing in as Haverford gave them all they could muster. They are playing that in Scranton, and we'll hear from Carla about what she thinks of it all. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville when we come back. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW-Eau Claire has been ranked a top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Director's Cup Top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student-athletes. UW-Eau Claire is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold? My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today.
Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday evening. Uh, we'll have one more segment after our chat here with Carla Baruby. So if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D- or email is dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com. And join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're live streaming the event as always. Um, so it, it seems a little weird in the NASCAC this year, as if you look back at what Tufts has done, They've had three 30-win seasons in the last five seasons and could do it again this year. They have had eight 20-plus win seasons in the last nine seasons, eight 20-win seasons in the last nine, and they've had 11 of their last 12 be 20-win seasons. It usually was the Tufts and Amherst conversation. This year it was the Amherst and Bowden conversation, and Tufts seemed to fly a little bit under the radar. Interesting enough, there are only two losses, Bowden and Amherst, both of them at Tufts, but they exacted their revenge and got past both of them in the conference tournament, which obviously put them in a very nice position in the NCAA tournament. But geez, they almost didn't get out of home again this week when Haverford gave them a game in the second round. All of that is to say that's why we haven't talked to Carla Baruby sooner and why we nearly didn't talk to Carla Baruby. But joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the aforementioned Carla Baruby. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Dave. Really interesting season. I feel like as good as you guys have been over the years, you flew under the radar in the NESCAC to some degree. I know you were ranked pretty high most of the season, but everybody was talking Bowden and Amherst. You you must have felt good about that, while at the same time knowing you weren't helping that because you also lost to those two teams. Sure. I mean, um, you know, the the NESCAC is so, is so strong, and mm-hmm. of course, you know, Amherst and Bowden um, had terrific um, NESCAC seasons and, and regular seasons. And, um, but, you know, we were right <laughs> right there yeah. next to them. Um, so I don't know if we we're really flying under the, the radar, you know, too much. But yeah, Relatively speaking. <laughs> yeah, we did, we did lose to them um, in the regular season um, at our, in our gym. And, um, but we, you know, I think we've been, been playing really well lately um, in – in, in February and, and into the into the NESCAC tournament and um, and yeah I mean yeah the the Haverford game was was Haverford playing really really well mm-hmm. and um, you know they have a really tough defense and um, and yeah we almost didn't didn't get out of our uh, that first pod but um, we're happy to be you know um, in the Sweet 16 now and in Scranton Pennsylvania which we know very well mm-hmm. and um, and ready to go uh, tomorrow night. Back up a little bit again, the loss uh, on the 5th of January at home against Bowden, 82-63. The loss against Amherst on February 1st, 50-40 to again at your place. And, of course, there's no double round robin, so you're not, you'll go to their places next season. But you did have to travel to Bowden uh, for the conference tournament. And, and getting past, first off, uh, Williams in the first uh, part of the tournament at your place, but then getting past Amherst in a great game, 47-46, and then getting past Bowden in a flipped opposite game because it was 75-69. How hard is that to play on back-to-back nights? And how did how did your team seem to find themselves so well, especially in the game against Bowden? Yeah, I mean the back-to-back is what we're used to in the NESCAC yeah. playing, you know, Friday night, Saturday. Um, but to um, you know put two you know really good games together um, and beat those two opponents, um, yeah, I'm really I was really really happy for my my players and for my for my seniors and, 
you know, and, and to and to win up at, at Bowdoin, which is a really, really difficult mm-hmm. place to play. Um, you know, they pack the house with <laughs> um, with their uh, incredible following. And, um, you know, to do that the day after, um, you know, beating a, a tough, tough Amherst team, uh, um, right? It was kind of a, a tale of two different games yeah. where, you know, it's so, it was, it's so hard to, to buy a basket um, in a tough Amherst game. And then in the Bowdoin game, um, you know, the, the offense was, was flowing on, on both ends, making a lot of shots. And um, so, yeah, it was a, it really was an incredible weekend. And, um, you know, to, to win the NESCAC championship is, is such an amazing thing. And um, in, in, in pretty much any, any sport yeah. in, in the NESCAC. So, um, you know, we're, we were thrilled. Uh, got past Western New England in a game, uh, you know, over rarely. Uh, but then Haverford, I remember when we tuned into that one on the whip around, you had all of us. You had Gordon, Ryan, and I all just kind of taken aback. Not you, but, I mean, the game did. Um, <laughs> Bobby Morgan certainly seemed to have a game plan working against you guys. Granted, they were hitting their shots. And there was a point in that fourth quarter that I, I think we all were kind of sitting here wondering, what is, you know, what's going to happen here? What changed in that fourth quarter? Did they run out of gas, or did you guys find another gear? Um. You know, I, I thought that down the stretch, our defense really came up um, big, um, forced a couple turnovers, um, you know, forced a couple, you know, shots maybe they didn't want to take. Um, and then and then we, you know, made the free throws we needed to make down the stretch. And um, Emily Briggs hit a big shot with just a minute and a half to go or two minutes to go. And, um, you know, just needed, you know, played, uh, made the plays we needed to mm-hmm. um, in big, in big moments. And, um, you know, we, we've been doing that. We had to do that in the Amherst game and, and voting game. So, um, you know, just ready for those those moments. Obviously, four for 14 from beyond the arc probably stung a little bit in thir- shooting 30%. You guys <laughs> had to get it all done on the defensive end because offensively, you guys weren't your normal selves. No, I, I'm not. Yeah, just couldn't couldn't buy some baskets. And um, <laughs> it is you know, the home court, right? <laughs> I know, and we haven't we haven't played our best basketball in our own gym. So um, we've been kind of you know road warriors. So yeah. um, maybe it's a good thing that we are, you know, we are on the road this <laughs> this weekend. But um, yeah, you know, just never know when when shots are going to be made and and not made. So. Um, but yeah, I mean to get through Haverford and yeah, Bobby Morgan did an amazing job, and um, you know they really took it to us and, and gave them a lot of credit um, that we were were lucky enough to survive in advance. Yeah, so bad news for everybody in Scranton is you might be better on the road. You'll take on Messiah mm-hmm. there uh, in the first game, and potentially either Scranton or Christopher Newport in the second game. You're the odd man out. You're the only non Mid Atlantic team. Uh, sitting in this spot, but you know the place well, as you've mentioned. This hasn't been necessarily a bad place to play. How are you guys getting it, getting ready for Messiah? Yeah, I mean they're just a, a really, really tough team. Another really great defensive team, and um, you know, but we're familiar with them. We played them last year in the same game, mm-hmm. um, and you know, know some of these same players, and um, but but they know us as well. Um, so you know, we're just going to stick to 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 you know, getting ready, us getting ready, um, you know, it shouldn't matter, you know, who we're playing. We just need to be at our best um, tomorrow night. At this stage of the game, we've got to be, you know, we've got to be playing our best basketball. So, um, yeah, we're, we're familiar with all these, these, these three teams in the last um, couple of years, with Christopher Newport being at the Final Four a couple of years ago and, you know, you know us playing Scranton um, a few times in the last couple mm-hmm. of years. So, 
um, there's a familiarity and, and this gym is a place we're familiar with. So, um, yeah, hopefully good things happen this, this weekend. Yeah. You, uh, last year was Messiah in the same game as you mentioned, and you guys got past them 70, 39. Unfortunately it was Bowden on the other end of the, of that bracket, um, that you couldn't get past. But two years before that, uh, you had Albright and Scranton, uh, at Scranton. And interestingly enough, I got past both of them. So if it's mid-Atlantic teams, it looks good. Luckily, there's no NESCAC teams uh, sitting on the other <laughs> side of that. Um, talk about your team quick. You're led by a senior in Zach, uh, Jack Knapp, sorry. Uh, 13 and a half points a game, also three and a half rebounds, three assists a game, two steals a game if anybody's counting at home. Um, you then have a junior in Erica DeCandino. Uh, can, yeah. Dito, Candido, I added an end in there. 13 points a game, five and a half rebounds, three and a half assists a game. That duo alone, just in the fact of shooting, rebounding, and distributing, can make things difficult for people because you can't key on one of them to do one of those things. Yeah, um, those are two captains, senior and a junior, um, and our backbone, um, both both really great all-around players but on both ends. Um, you know, Jack's our, our point guard and, and Erica's our four player. Um, Erica's a, a tough guard because she can mm-hmm. um, score from the perimeter but also um, gets a lot done in the, in the paint. And, um, and Jack's really shot the ball well um, for us and also um, just a great slasher, um, great leader. Um, so, yeah, those two have been, been great. Um, and they, they've got some really great teammates around them, some really good pieces and and players that, um, you know, different players have been stepping up around them, which is, which is great. Um, you know, I think we go pretty, pretty deep and, um, some freshmen stepping up, um, some upperclassmen. So, um, yeah, really happy with, with, with what we have. Another theme of the night is the, of youth to some degree. Yes. Knapp is a senior and you have one other in, in Martinson. Otherwise it's juniors and sophomores and freshmen for this unit. This is a team. You're building this group kind of that, that kind of retools. It never has to rebuild. You're always going to be in the conversation. We talked about all those 20 win seasons and in the, even those 30 win seasons you've had of late, that feels like something that's been important. You want to keep that level. How difficult though, is it out there on the recruiting trails to keep the talent coming in that meets what your expectations have become? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard for, for everyone. Um, but I feel like I have a really great school, a really great academic school, um, to sell. Um, so, you know, it makes it, it makes it easier and, 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 you know, and to sell that, you know, we're playing in the NESCAC, which is just one of the, you know, the greatest conferences in, in all of D3, mm-hmm. um, athletics. So, um, so yeah, you know, and, and, and the biggest sell is when, you know, student athletes come on campus, they meet our, our players and see our facilities and, and, um, and, you know, it's, it's great. Um, really, really happy. The, the atmosphere environment that we have at, at Tufts, it's, it's, it's a great for, uh, place to spend your, your four years of college. Sure. Uh, I didn't get a chance to read through the entire article, but I saw there was an article out recently out of um, uh, those associated with UConn to, uh, talking to you. And, and obviously they still revere you and that those powerhouse teams that you were on at UConn. I know you made a, a lighthearted joke about uh, Coach Ariama having so many championships and you haven't gotten your first. But what does it mean that you're still kind of on the, the lips of, of UConn fans? And, and has that had any benefit for you as a coach in Division Three? Um, 
I don't know. Uh, maybe we have some <laughs> players from players from Connecticut that maybe their grandparents remembered me, but that's <laughs> there <laughs> that we might go. Be it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, we're not too far from Connecticut, and we play, you know, at Wesleyan and at right. Con College and at Trinity. So, you know, I I go down there a little bit and 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 try to go to, you know, UConn games um, when I can. Um, usually see them at the at the Final Four every year. <laughs> um, so, you know, the the those true UConn fans never forget their you know their their Huskies. So, um, but yeah, it was a nice it was a nice article that um, you know they do still remember some of the the oldies. Uh, does it feel like you have to win a national championship? And I mean that seriously. It, you know, everyone puts their mind on championships, but it's so difficult to do in Division Three. Or, or have you guys what you've achieved without the championships? Is that just as important, or should be saluted and celebrated just as much as those who might win titles? Yeah, I mean, we're not. You know, the the value of our program isn't you know based on on how many championships we've mm-hmm. won and. Um, you know, I, I think it's the, the experience that my players have and, um, and then wanting to be a part of this, this jumbo, you know, basketball family, you know, when, once they leave Tufts and, um, you know, and the relationships they have, that's, that's what's most important to me. And, and, you know, I would love for my players to have, you know, final four experiences and memories, um, every single year. Um, and the championship would be, you know, icing on that, that cake, but, um, you know, when they come back. 10, 15 years down the road, um, and 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 tell my players, tell my tell my current players just what kind of experience they had. That's what that's what means the most to to me. Well, I appreciate the time you took to chat with us. Uh, good luck this weekend. As obviously, uh, it's not going to be easy because they're not easy at this point. But Messiah first, and then we'll see how it plays out after that. As always, give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in? Yeah, no, thanks for everything, Dave. Um, it's been another tremendous year and uh, all about your hard work. I'm really excited about this um, all-star game that's yeah. happening um, at the Final Four, and Jack Knapp has, has made that, that all-star team. So um, just really great things happening in, 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 D3, uh, in D3 hoops. So um, thanks again. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Congratulations to her. Uh, enjoy the trip to Salem, no matter how it works out, uh, hopefully with your whole team, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Dave. No problem. Carla Berube joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Yeah, again, the all-star women's team has been announced. They they announced the whole team and, and admit some players may not be able to play because they're in the championship weekend. In that case, they'll have alternatives and backup players ready to announce early next week. We'll talk a little bit more about that on Monday. If anybody's looking for the announcement, it was announced on WBCA.org. We should also point out that there's an all-star vote on the women's side that runs through the 11th. Find more information again at our at our uh, at our partners wbca.org on that as well. So, um, and actually, I, I should double check that. Um, I know I was reading it just the other day. Uh, yeah, wbca.org. I was right. So it's in their headline section. Check it out. Uh, the Beyond Sports WBCA All Star Game is up, and fans do get a chance to vote there. You can get all the information at wbca.org. Uh, speaking of NESCAC and Bowdoin, I wanted to point out, um, so this season's had an interesting twist when we've been very busy with Navy and, and thankful for the opportunities we've had there. I called a women's game earlier this season. I don't remember if I mentioned it in the earlier shows, but Stephanie Pemper, the head coach for the Navy women's basketball team, of course, was Bowdoin's former head coach. She's now in her 11th season at Navy, and I thought maybe there was a chance this weekend that I would be actually PA announcing a Navy Patriot League uh, 
playoff game. But unfortunately, things did not go Navy's way uh, last night, and they will be on the road instead on Saturday. So I'll, I can't bookend my season with Navy slash NESCAC women's basketball, but I'll be enjoying the games uh, nonetheless. And by the way, that is one of the reasons I can't travel this weekend. I'm, I'm busy with Navy. There's a women's lacrosse game on Saturday and maybe now a men's basketball game on Sunday. Granted, some things have to go right, but we were I was kind of looking forward to the Navy women's basketball, but didn't work out. But we wish uh, Coach Pemper and her squad well as they move forward. We also wish um, Carla Berube and her squad at Tufts well as well. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. Final thoughts and any questions you might shoot our way. Listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us, and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. Welcome back to Hoops. Hello, everybody. As we wrap up tonight's show, a little bit of overtime here as we get going. Uh, if you got any last-second questions, fire them their way, their way to us via Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3, or Dave.McHugh at D3Sports.com. Dave.McHugh at D3Sports.com. Scrolling at the bottom of your screen. Um, of course, on Facebook, we're simulcasting, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, and we're simulcasting on Periscope as well. If you happen to be tuned in, fire your questions. We'll see if we can answer them up in the next 10 or so minutes. So a, a great weekend of basketball ahead. You know, again, on the men's side, a little bit surprising that it went as chalk as it went um, to some degree. Yes, there were some upsets. 
certainly Nebraska Wesleyan losing, being the number one team in the country, is, is not necessarily um, chalk. But outside of that, a lot of the top teams won. That we got a lot of ranked teams left, um, and ranked teams had to lose along the way. But it, it's certainly going to be a great weekend of basketball. Uh, with a chance to go to Fort Wayne at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. Uh, you'll Whitman and Williams is going to be a dandy of a game. Really, it's going to come down to whosoever style is going to dictate that. Christopher Newport and Hamilton. I think Hamilton's in for a little bit of a surprise in the defense that that uh, Christopher Newport is clearly playing, and I don't think those like myself have truly appreciated this season. Hamilton has been playing by fire a little bit too much this season. If Hamilton is turning the ball over against that Christopher Newport defense. The Continentals are in trouble, plain and simple. If Williams is going to have trouble, and I'm stealing this a little bit from Ryan Scott, if if Williams has trouble handling the ball, especially against that Whitman defense, they're going to be in trouble. Um, Amherst versus Nichols. <laughs> you heard Dave Hickson talk about how it's more than the Marcus uh, Marcos Echeverria show. Nichols really impressed me against Middlebury. Granted, Middlebury was banged up a little bit, but I, I still don't know. I know it was a three-point game. I don't know if, if a full-strength Middlebury is able to handle Nichols um, comfortably. Uh, Rowan was certainly looking good, and Nichols held them at bay. And in Swarthmore, where they did the MIT, a good MIT team has got to scare those like the Yellow Jackets. That said, can Swarthmore do that continuously? It looks like they go out there, they kind of, shock and awe you at the beginning of the game and then kind of relax near the end if they've got a comfortable lead. It's the teams that even like McDaniel did this earlier in the season where Swarthmore had a lead and McDaniel came back on them. Um, that's where Swarthmore is a little bit more um, at risk is if a team in the second half gets that wind and, and runs back on the Garnet who have who haven't led up to any degree but I don't think are playing at the same intensity they play the opening 10 minutes, let's say. Randolph-Macon's a really good team. That's going to be a dandy of a game to watch. Um, St. Thomas and Guilford, you know, this is a, a game, a bit of, un, of unknowns against two really good and well-coached teams. Tom Palumbo, uh, as you heard John Tower talking about early, earlier, has a, has a team that rebounds well, defends well. You know, what is St. Thomas going to be able to compare that to? Granted, St. Thomas has played against some really good teams this season, but are they like Guilford? And is Guilford ready for a team like St. Thomas? Um, Guilford's been the giant killer all season. They have knocked off Randolph-Macon teams and whatnot. Can they continue that? That's the question. Oshkosh against Loris. Oshkosh trying to get back to the national championship game with a lot of expectations. Loris has been the other giant killer. It's Guilford and Loris, the two giant killers this season. Um, you know, they've beaten both. Loris has... Nebraska Wesleyan and Augustana this season, and D2's Augustana, Loris can get it done. Now, that doesn't mean Loris can't trip up. Um, they beat at, they beat North Central, another giant win. But, you know, Dewhawks have, uh, the Dewhawks have struggled against uh, Dubuque this season. Uh, luckily won that third game, but they had lost the previous two. So, you know, a little bit of an unknown there and how Loris comes out against Oshkosh. And, course it's at Oshkosh you got to figure Ben Boots and that squad is going to be ready uh, Augustana against Wheaton it's the third matchup with these two teams uh, Aston Francis another great article on the front page of d3hoops.com about him against Augustana you heard on Sunday Mike Shower talking about they're they're approaching this game like it's not a familiar foe in other words 
they're not going and going, hey, we know it's Augustana, we're going to do things a little bit different. No, they're going into it as if, who is Augustana? As if they haven't played them before. It'll be fascinating to see how that changes the equation. Of course, it's at Rock Island. And Marietta and Oswego. Um, I think Oswego's got a lot of things people don't can't wrap their minds around. I, I don't think even I can fully appreciate the Lakers squad. Marietta has been there all season long. They've got some odd losses, though, in conference, and that conference has been tough. This game I could see going one of two ways. This is either going to be an absolute nail-biter down to the end, or it's not going to be close. And I, I, I hate to say it, I, I think it's because I don't know enough about Oswego as much as I've watched them. I am I am perplexed sometimes when watching the Lakers on what I'm watching. Jay Cozen says, hey, hi to Navy's Ed... Dessels for me. Jay, I'll try and do that. I don't know how often I see Ed. When he was the head coach of Penn State, he and his staff used to have a father-son basketball weekend camp. It was an outstanding. Many of the dads struggled to walk properly for a few weeks afterward. John Perry was involved, one of his assistants now, and Danny Earl, one of the head coach of VMI. Ed is a class act. Listen, if I see Ed on Sunday, and, and it's going to take some, it's going to take some, some what ifs for me to see Ed on Sunday. Um, I will try and remember to say that. Um, I did call a men's basketball game at the beginning of last season, and believe it or not, I'm already slated for a men's basketball game at the beginning of next season. I already got asked to put that on my calendar. So I will see Ed at some point, Jay. Um, I'll try and remember to say hi to him for you. Um, on the women's side of things, we'll quickly go through that bracket. Thomas Moore in Transylvania. Listen, I was really impressed with what Transylvania has done in the second half of this season and what they did against a really good Oglethorpe squad. Uh, I don't even think Chicago would have been able to beat Transylvania. Uh, they beat Oglethorpe by 20, and it didn't even feel that close. The problem is they're going up in a juggernaut in the Saints. Now, Thomas Moore had to fight back against Trine and use an epic third quarter to do it. But now they're into the now they're into their cycle. You know what I'm saying? It, it, you know, Coming into last weekend... It was only their second weekend of basketball in six, seven weeks. Um, and that first weekend in the ACAA tournament, nothing to write home about. It, it didn't challenge them. They finally got that challenge. Try and kind of woke them up. The The worst news there is if it woke them up, they're going to go like a buzzsaw through the rest of this tournament. The other side of that is maybe they haven't figured out how to wake up. Um, and Transylvania, you know, maybe you can take advantage of that. But the Pioneers have got a tall task there in Madison Temple. Um, and I, I, it's going to be tough. Mary Harden Bale against Wash U. Listen, the way Wash U played against George Fox, I don't know if anybody can beat them. Uh, but Mary Harden Baylor is playing very well. Um, I think that's a great game of unknown teams, uh, at least when facing off against each other. Uh, I don't know if either team can find a squad that they played this season that they can be familiar with. Uh, and get prepared for that. I'm, I'm, the games in Crestview Heights, Kentucky, for which will be the last time we play in Crestview Heights, Kentucky in Division Three, will be really interesting to watch. In Scranton, listen, Christopher Newport's going to give Scranton a hell of a time with their defense. The question becomes how healthy is Scranton, to be blunt. Um, Scranton is a really good basketball team when they're at 100%. They are susceptible, susceptible, excuse me, susceptible when they are not at 100%. And Bridget Mann seems to be back. She had 19 points against Johns Hopkins last weekend. They certainly look good. Uh, you can't forget players like Mackenzie Mason either. But nothing against 
Hopkins or anybody else at Scranton faced, Christopher Newport's a different beast, and you need to be at 100%. I'm, I'm really going to be interested in how that game plays out between Broderick and Woodruff. Uh, on the other side, Messiah versus Tufts. Messiah probably still tastes that 70 of 39 loss they had to Tufts last year. Tufts is going to be, you know, very keen after, you know, nearly losing to Haverford. I'm not sure how that game plays out. It's just disappointing three mid-Atlantic teams are all in the same pod there. Uh, I, I think we – I don't know where, but it, it would have would have been nice to have a little more diversity, but maybe it wasn't possible. Up at St. Paul, St. Thomas versus Amherst is a great game. I don't think Amherst is as good as they have been in years past. If you want to put that on a bulletin board, if you want to put that in a locker room, so be it, go ahead. But I, I think the facts are there that they're not as good as they have been the last few years. Um, they are the two-time defending champs. You never put past anything on GP Gramacki. He's going to have his team ready, but this is a very, very good and determined St. Thomas squad. Um, I would be shocked if Amherst comes out of this weekend, to be blunt. Um, Oshkosh versus Wartburg is a fascinating game. Wartburg is on a tear. How they dismantled Hope is mind-blowing after dismantling Bethany Lutheran, which maybe isn't as surprising. If they do that to Oshkosh, you better watch out. Oshkosh versus Thomas Moore in a championship game could be insanely good. Not that it, not that I'm saying it's happening, but if 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 they get through Oshkosh and then Thomas Moore or Amherst, I I be watching out for Wartburg. That team is is better than people realize. Um, those are going to be some great games in St. Paul, Minnesota at St. Thomas. Um, and then the other side, DeSales versus Ithaca. Two teams that hosted last week that are very good. I think this might be the best sales team I've seen maybe ever. Uh, New Paltz has proven that they are a very good team this year, and they're going up against Bowden, who had some trouble with Smith. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if only one NESCAC team got to the to the final weekend, and I wouldn't be surprised if none of them did. But my bet is one gets there. I don't think three do. I'm 50-50 on two getting there. That's my take on the women's side of things for this weekend. So it'll be fun to watch. We'll be here on Sunday to cover it all for you, and we hope you'll join us. It will be, again, a little bit more of a women's-centric show because we do so much at the men's side um, that we don't want to necessarily kind of use up all of our material on Sunday. But more importantly, we aren't going to get a really good chance to talk about the women's ahead of their championship weekend. So Sunday takes more of a women's focus of a show. Um, we may get one, maybe two men's segments in there, but we hope we'll talk to the city of Salem. We hope to talk about the all-star game and we'll talk to two or th two, maybe more of the women's team still around dancing, depending on how things are going. Um, Chris Mitchell says, watching the show from Holiday Inn in Cincinnati Airport. Fan of the show, Dave. <laughs> Fan of yours, Chris. Uh, what are you doing in the Cincinnati Airport? Oh, what am I talking about? You're with the team. I'm sorry. I'm so used to your assistant being with the women's team that I didn't even didn't even dawn on me that you would be there, Chris. Hope you're enjoying that one, sir. Um, all right, so quick note past this. Uh, if you are a coach with the NABC, there is a banquet, or not a banquet, a reception uh, that we are annually hosting every year on Thursday. It starts at 7 o'clock. Should get some more information from those at the NABC, but it'll be at Connor's Kitchen. We'll tweet out some uh, invites later uh, next week, but we hope we'll see everybody there. Of course, looking forward to being in Fort Wayne. We'll be arriving on Wednesday, setting up on Thursday, pre-games on Friday. I'm part of the broadcast crew with Brendan Gulick, who graduated from John Carroll, by the way. So it's an all-D3 crew for you all. 
just like it has been the last few years. Because, by the way, Lincoln Rose is a D3 guy as well. So looking forward to having a D3 flair. I will say now, we don't know what's going on with the championship game as per its broadcast. I don't want to get too far into the weeds. But being that it's conference championship weekend, we aren't sure exactly when or how CBS plans to broadcast the game. CBS Sports Network, again, has the game. They plan to broadcast it. Best I understand it is on their network on tape delay. However, by rule, the game has to air live on the Internet somewhere. The question now becomes, will CBS produce their own and air it on the Internet and then tape delay it for network? Or will they just tape delay it for network? And we at Turner, at, at Tupelo Raycom slash NCAA, me and Brendan, then bring you the video broadcast or will there be some other version of events? We're unsure. We haven't heard the latest. CBS, I think, still figuring it out. But we'll keep you abreast as to what that news is. So again, the championship game will air online somewhere live. We just don't know where yet. It will then be tape delayed, as I understand it, on CBS Sports Network later that day on the men's side. The women's game, don't worry about. Women will be broadcast as it normally is. Our own Gordon Mann will be the color commentator on the women's side. I am thrilled that Gordon is getting that opportunity and that Tupelo Raycom took the suggestion. I don't know who his play-by-play guy is. I need to catch up on that. But Gordon will be on the color and looking forward to having him, of course, doing the All-Star game as well. By the way, also, there may be a change in our broadcast on the men's All-Star game. More news coming when it's finally locked down. Not in a bad way, just in a way of trying to showcase the game a little bit more. So I think I got that all out there. Justin says, great show. Loving your broadcast from a holiday in near the Cincinnati airport. <laughs> Why do I have a feeling that Justin and Chris are in the same place? Justin and Chris, go find each other. You can talk about how great this show is. Um, and we'll see everybody, obviously, in Fort Wayne, but we got to get through Sunday show. So enjoy the games. No whip around. I'm going to enjoy my Friday night with family and watching the games. We may be going out. I'm bringing my iPad and my phone and maybe my computer to watch as many games as I can. Um, they're just going to have to deal with it. And then Saturday night, looking forward to sitting and watching games as well, maybe with my son. And then Sunday will be on the air, 7 o'clock Eastern time again, with a little bit more of a centric towards women's show. And then we'll be on the air with pregame shows next Friday from the men's championship weekend. I think we got it covered. Double check any last minute questions that we may have received to make sure we didn't miss anything because I hate missing things from any of you. Looks like we're good. So we'll sign off from here. So I want to thank John Tower from St. Thomas, Dave Hickson from Amherst, Nathan Dennison from uh, Allen County Memorial Allen County War Memorial Coliseum and the city of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Mark Moorfield from Mary Harden Baylor and Carlo Berube from Tufts. And of course, I want to thank the sports information directors, uh, Gene at St. Thomas, who actually gave me some gems of information. Gene is a, is a very witty writer. Amherst, of course, I want to thank Craig. He always gives us a, a, very, a lot of help. And we appreciate that. Visit Fort Wayne. I want to thank all of them for their support. Of course, go to muspartans.com slash NCAA. That's muspartans.com slash NCAA for more ticket information. Hold on. I'm actually going to try and put that on the screen for you. How's that sound, huh? What? Crazy. I know. Wild and wacky. Um, so, again, musports.com uh, is where you're looking for that. Huh, that didn't pop the way I was hoping it would. Let's try this again. Um, nope, still not working the way I wanted to. Um, 
You can also go to visitfortwayne.com for more information. That'll help you as well. There we go. Got it on the screen now. We'll get it up for you. So for ticket information, again, um, go to muspartans.com slash NCAA for information on the area, attractions, hotels, et cetera. Go to visitfortwayne.com. Those are our, our partners in crime, as it were, there at, uh, well, there, plain and simple. Um, and on the women's side, we hopefully will hear from uh, City of Salem and talk to them about their setup on Sunday with ticket information. You can always go to NCA.com slash tickets, but you can also go to, uh, I believe, uh, Roanoke College website. Athletics will have information there. Um, I want to thank also the SIDs at Mary Harden Baylor and Tufts. Paul at Tufts is always great, and we love John at Mary Harden Baylor. Appreciate their support as well. Uh, Raul says, really digging all this great information insight into the Sweet 16. Well, thank you, Raul. I appreciate that. We do our best to give as much information as we possibly can, and we hope you enjoy it. Go, of course, go to d3hoops.com for even more, including a great, great stories again today. One about Aston Francis um, and how well he's playing. Nathan Ford put a great piece together about him. Um, our Road to Salem feature featured Madison McCoy and Mary Harden-Baylor and our teammates. There's good to read about, about the redhead from East Texas. Check that out if you get the chance. Also, uh, CNU seniors talking about them. Joe Sager put a nice show together, or story about them. And we mentioned earlier Ryan Scott with a wonderful Road to, uh, road to Wayne, Fort Wayne story about uh, the Tommies and the 12-year challenge. It's worth a read. Those are all on the front page of d3hoops.com, and more information will be there throughout the weekend as well. And with that, we sign off. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I want to thank our partners at... at Let's go through it. D3hoops.com, Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Association of Basketball Coaches. Also want to thank those at the at Wisconsin Eau Claire Athletics for their support, Blue Frame Technology as well, and, of course, visit Fort Wayne in the city of Salem for their support of this program. Real quick note, um, again, the All-Star Women's Game has been announced, and there is a fan vote going that fan vote is not on our site at d3hoops.com. Go to wbca.org for more information how you can vote for the last two players on the women's all-star team. And with that, we sign off. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to Hoops Hope presented by d3hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoops Hope. We'll see you back here on Sunday night, 7 o'clock Eastern, as we start looking at who's made it to Salem and who's made it to Fort Wayne. Good night, everybody.